Get the cheese out of your lungs. We're doing a show, goddammit. I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. <clears throat> that man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Hello there, welcome to Roast Mortem Podcast. Yes. The official podcast of NASCAR racing. Go around the circles, boys. I'm Tom. I like donuts. I'm Travis. Left turns only. I am your Cody for the evening. Jesus. And you know who's not even here? Mike. You know why? Oh, I didn't even on, notice. He's on fucking vacation. When do we get vacations, boys? Uh, Never. We're always in the past. Do I have an HR department? Who would I talk to for that? Part of my relationship with him as being my cousin, I like that I have this thing going in the back of my mind where I could fire my own cousin if I needed to. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> yeah. Pull a real fucking ass move, fire the cousin, and I'll bring in some hot blonde or something. Bring in uh, his girlfriend. Yeah, fire him. I think they broke hire up. the girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I think I can hear him, actually. Is he going... Yeah, that's him. He's in Dank County. Uh, yeah, he's swimming in the L.A. River? Something like that. Oh, fucking no. All right. There Still you go. kickflips in it. How's everyone's week, dogs? Good. Fantastical. Decent. <laughs> All those words. All of the words. I have been so busy. I don't even know. what What day are we recording this? Oh, it hurts my head. Dude, we're recording it on hump day. Man, I I can't manage my time well. I I've been waking up so early recently and going to bed so late and feeling like maybe I'm doing it wrong. Like a 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. I feel you, Tom, because I've been having a, I've been doing some freelancing gigs. I have to be in two time zones. They have me getting up at 5.30. Well, that sucks. But then I got to go to work and close. So I'm a tired boy. No, I'm sorry. You guys just want to like go to sleep for this? You guys want to yeah. record this while we're in bed? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, okay. Cody's yeah. right there. Yeah, well. Okay, we'll take the magical leap. And now we're recording in bed. Oh, uh, look at that. This is so Don't... comfortable. Don't look at the YouTube video. I'll I'll use some chamomile tea to get me through this one. Yeah, so I don't know. It, th- that's the week. It just does. It don't stop. Yeah. Don't oh, no. Don't stop. Won't stop. And Trip. I I I I'm like out of it. I'm talking too fast and too slow at times. And uh, so excuse this episode, everyone. It's gonna be <laughs> a real um. What is it? Cocksucker of an episode. There you go. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about some films when y'all wake up and ask me a stupid-ass question. I just turned the ice cube. You did a little bit. (laughs) Travis, who's on the chopping block for this lovely Wednesday episode? Tonight, we are roasting the great German filmmaker Fritz Lang. Ah, Fritz. Fritz boy. Fritz. Now, is he Chinese, too? Where's that Lang come from? 
it's, he's kind of got the same thing that I have going on. Like, I'm more su- susceptible to the coronavirus because of my last name. Right. Uh, Travis yeah, okay. Lee. Just hones in. Yeah, it's just, Lang would also be susceptible to the coronavirus. Yeah. Even well, though he's German. And he's dead. <laughs> yes. So, for, for any of you film buffs out there, Fritz Lang was the man responsible for one of the first great sci-fi epics, Metropolis. This film was the inspiration for countless sci-fi movies to come. We're talking Star Wars, Blade Runner, probably Fifth Element, best one, Dune, you name it. Okay. I'm going to agree with the Fifth Element. Yeah, because it's, it's a, good. a city, and it's got Chris Tucker in it. Yeah, he is good in that movie. All right. Over the course of Fritz's career, he directed 44 films, transitioning from the silent era to talkies to Technicolor. Cool. Do you think that back then, when you had a director that worked on silent films and like the really conservative ones who'd never made the jump over to talkies would call those directors trannies? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you transitioned. Yeah. yeah. Psst, that's never going to last. This is obviously a no. mental illness. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, how else Woof. can you berate your actress for not doing the right thing if there's audio being recorded during the take right that's that sir is why you have an editor and a sound editor <laughs> yeah those that's people true. are useful i guess <laughs> so this whole 44 films uh all he did all that while brutally abusing his cast crew producers writers oh, and editors you are welcome for the segue yeah this man was very egotistical I mean, he was one of those dudes that referred to himself in the third person Oh, <laughs> come on. Mm. I don't I don't know if I've ever been friends with someone like that. Well, we're friends with Cody, but he does it like when I he's do drinking. second person. I do second. I slip into second person. What is life. second person again? How does that even make sense? Second person is when I say you referring to like a group. You know what I mean? So if I want to say like, oh, I can't just go outside willy nilly and fuck like lay naked in traffic, I would say you can't just go outside willy nilly and lay in traffic. It, it's more subtle. Huh. Like I, I do. Mm. No, I've I heard do the word slip into second person a bunch. No, I've heard what Cody is- come out of your mouth. Oh yeah, it's my name. I. <sighs> you get a Cody few goes to this. Yeah. yeah, I think I do. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do it when I'm aggravated. I think I don't think I've ever done it on the show. Cody broke no. his flashlight. Cody don't like these Taco Bells. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. So in true egotistical maniac fashion, Fritz wore a dastardly monocle and high leather boots his entire career. How German. Wow. Yes. How German of him. On top of all that, he was a sadomasochist. Uh, He made extramarital affairs almost a sport. And I'm honestly not sure how he didn't have a single child and also the fact that there wasn't rainbow discharge constantly spouting out of his German bratwurst. Okay, so Fritz Lang had his wang on the Fritz. Whew. Jokes. Well, I make that, them. Wow. Cody does joke. Is that a titty twister? <laughs> now that we've unleashed Cody speaking about Cody. <laughs> Fritz was bottom barfed out into the world December 5th, 1890. <laughs> In Vienna, that. Austria. All right. So they got a lot actually... of bottom barfing going on in Vienna. Yeah. Just... Uh, his full name was Friedrich Christian Anton Lang. Very Mouthful. proper. 
Yeah, we just call him Fritz. Fritz, like that's what he go went by. There needs to be more Fritz in the goddamn world. Wasn't that a derogatory term that we used for Germans? Like, for the Jerry's? The day? Yeah, Jerry's or Fritz. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were yeah. Franks. Those are French. And it's French. Oh. Frankie, Frankie boys. Uh, well, Jerry's, I did say I was tired. Well, I mean, basically, because in the Third World War, they're going to make a clone of Frankie Muniz, and he's just going to be the entire army. Yeah, he'll deflect the all the artillery with his massive forehead. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Uh, his father owned a very lucrative construction business in Vienna, and Fritz used to like to call his father an architect, but actually he was just a builder. Not like there's anything wrong with being a builder, yeah. but as we'll find out, Lang's pre-war history was very glammed up. Okay. Well, you know I mean, what I mean? That, like that's—I'm assuming that has a lot to do with making extramarital affairs a sport. Yeah. As you mentioned in the beginning, you have to glam up, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, my dad used to massage bricks into buildings. It's got to be my dad used to design skyscrapers that uh, Olympic hippos would jump off of. Yeah. You always got to, you always got to, you know, trump up your own fucking CV. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Get, get that cheapest cologne, put that fish, that fish sticks in your pants so you get that lump, and now you're going to get the cougars. Like cats, because of the fish sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fish sticks. How how big is your cock? That yeah, that a fish stick <laughs> is an upgrade. Let me just tell you, I'm all about the pussies, the Whoa. street cats that yeah, follow I, me I, around. I, I, I'm unsure of the level of like these are triple entendres at this point, Travis. I'm talking about what I do on my Friday nights. I walk around Portland and I have a parade of cats behind me. You're a disgusting hot mess. Let's keep yeah, going. Is that, why you, is that why I can smell you through the fucking internet right now? All right. So I want to say right now, kudos to my source, Patrick McGillan, uh, for siphoning through all of Lang's per- personal mythos and laying out the truth in his book, Fritz Lang, The Nature of the Beast. Like, he took all these different stories and he would, like, tell you this is what Lang said you know, this is what his friend said. This, and I was like, all right, sweet. That's some good research, dog. So we know that everything that you're going to say is true. Yeah, oh, I like how oh, my shrimp popped up again. I didn't even send that. What the hell was that? What are you doing? I didn't send that. There was just a shrimp that popped up on screen. Do you have a shrimp virus in your computer right now? I might. So Lang had a virus. It was his older brother named Adolf. Uh, Adolf Lang. Yeah, there were other people, not just Hitler, named Adolf. It was a very mm-hmm. popular name, actually. Yeah. Until, you know, that one guy that did the thing, and it's not popular no more. Yeah, what? Well, uh, Hitler. Yeah. Yeah, that dude. Mm-hmm. So Adolf was kind of like the Lang family Quasimodo. You see, Adolf had this disease where his body and face was covered in, like, sores and had scars and shit on it. Um, so uh, when guests, disease? what's that? Wind's disease? Yeah, wind's disease. So when guests came over the house, uh, you know, their mother and father, Paula and Anton, hid little Adolf in the attic. Hmm. See, that's, that's unfair because uh, I'm assuming they weren't like the richest people or whatever. So why They're not? They're well off. They were? Yeah. Fair enough. Well, if they weren't well off, 
you could easily use that child. You wrap him in some burlap and uh, make him lay on the ground and use him as an ottoman. And at least yeah, he could be in I the room. Just, yeah, yeah. I was going to suggest something similar, but Tom beat me to it. You guys have some very progressive parenting skills going on right now. Hey, look, not every kid's a shining star, but if you got a real dud, make some use out of him. <laughs> maybe the hunchback is comfortable to put your feet on. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe he purrs like a cat. They get a little vibration. Ugh. Uh, it's a bad auto. <laughs> uh, so, all right, all this meant that Fritz uh, was treated like an only child, a boy wonder. And uh, only children can be a little egotistical. I mean, I'm not at all. I'm pretty much selfless. Look at me. Travis, you have a brother? Nah. You have I a ate it in the womb. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, it, what's even worse than having the only child syndrome is when you're not actually an only child and you have a brother, but you just get treated like an only child. That, Ew. You know what I mean? Like, there's an ego right there. Yeah. He's a favorite. So Fritz never talked about his brother Adolf. In fact, most people he met later in his life and in Hollywood thought he was an only child. So that's all we're going to talk about this ugly little boy. Rest in peace, Adolf. You're definitely dead. Episode yes. over. So this little Vienna sausage had a spoiled upbringing. Like I said, Fritz was obsessed with the American Wild West. He was oh. all he was all about that American folk music, cowboys. You know, well, Vienna boy. What yeah. year was he born again? 1890. What are you going to say? No, oh, I, was just, I was saying, okay. As all a reminder right. to the audience and maybe even perhaps myself. Yeah. <laughs> so later in his life, he would have the privilege of directing a few Westerns, um, oh. which, which when he did, he kind of drew on this weird European view of what the Wild West was. So his movies were kind oh. of awkward. Well, instead I, I, of like a shootout at high noon, it was just a really long nap. <laughs> no, he's German. So what are they doing? Yeah, and, and, and instead of like the wide stanced, like push through like the saloon like doors, it's just goose stepping through. It, it, it's it's almost correct. It's just slightly off every scene. You can. It's almost a game. Instead of like, where's Waldo? Like, find the Germanic thing in the, in every shot. Yeah, you hear the big old steps coming in, and all of a sudden, you got a guy in there who's just like, "I'm going to fist somebody." <laughs> I don't know. Yep. So he actually, Fritz actually got to meet his hero when he was 15 in 1905, Buffalo Bill. Hey. That's right, Buffalo Bill did a Euro tour. Like the honest to goodness Buffalo Bill Cody. Yeah, was just like in Europe. Mm-hmm. This and hurts little, my head. And little Fritz Lang is like, ah, shoot, 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 bang, 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 love, love, love. Well, bonjour, little boy. I hear you like my legends. <laughs> there you go. So I will never understand how any, like you mentioned, Tom, taking a nap. I never understand how anything gets done in Europe. They always just kind of seem to be like sleeping or going to cafes, right? Yeah, there's there's always too many people in the cafes. Yeah. So <laughs> Vienna, like most... European places was huge on the cafe scene. No, oh. um, and teenage Fritz spent most of his days in the ca cafe crawling uh, oh. between a dozen different cafes here and there, hanging out with the lads, learning how to drink, picking up chicks. Because like 
cafes are not like Starbucks. It's like, where you know, it's not just like drink coffee. It's like, go have beer, you know, spirits. There's yeah, cabarets I imagine there. those kind of cafes is having like that really limited menu. Hey, Fritz, nice to see you again. What can I get for you? Um, that one thing that you make. Yeah, I'll take a, one of those. And I'll hang out in the corner for seven hours. Yeah, and I'll smoke yeah. cigarettes and drink liquor that I didn't purchase here. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so on top of that, there were cabarets, lots of titty shaking, ass sweating, and huh? whores. Lots of whores. All right, cool. Well, don't get me yeah. that horny. You know, like I just said, I had a long day, and usually when I have a long day, I'm real horny by the end yeah. of it. So <laughs> don't, not that much titty talk tonight, Travis. Yeah, I need the blood in my head, or yeah. in, in my most northern head. I'm sorry, but your blood is all going to rush to your nut trucks. Uh, Truck nuts. All right. <laughs> is that where you think blood goes when you have an erection? Yeah, it all goes to your balls. At least mine does. All right, let me sit on Ew. a couple hammers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Fritz loved cafes so much that he dropped out of school, much to the dismay of his parents. But he was like a star child, so whatever. Like, they just still gave him money and, like, you know. Fritz looked back on those times fondly um, and often alluded to himself as an early boom, early bloomer when it came to sex. He said he kind of alluded that he possibly lost his virginity to a local whore while hanging around a cafe. All right. I mean, I buy it. It's not like unheard of. Europe. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. And as we'll see, uh, Fritz was pretty open and outward about his hiring of sex workers. Um, which, you know, that's cool. German. Yeah, he's German. Yeah. Um, the thing was, though, this was sort of a dilemma for him because Fritz was a staunch Catholic. But he kind of saw it as, you know, sins could be forgiven. And, you know, Mary Magdalene was a hoe, so even she could be uplifted. So he'd go to church every Sunday and do the confession thing once a week or twice a week or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you can get, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And technically, you can go to a priest and say, Father, I just killed some dude. And he's going to be like, I'll be right out. I'm just having sex with a child. And then, uh-huh. and then when he comes out, you'll be like, I just killed a guy. And he'll be like, well, nothing I could do. The only time they can do something is if they, if you tell a priest that you're going to kill someone. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But you don't have to say that because it's not yet happened. Right. So it's so- not a sin that you have to confess mm. yet. So just never, just never, like you know, future speak to priests. Yeah, just keep it in the past. And past yeah. tense only. Don't even whatever's on your mind. It's not about that. Take out a notebook every time you do something bad. You throw a cigarette butt on the ground. You littered. God hates that. I think. What are the other uh, stuff? Yeah. I don't know. Rape, murder, yeah, yeah that, stealing. That's on there. Any of those? Arson. You do that. You write it down. You hand it to the priest. He gives you a check. You go home and pray. Yeah. And then yeah. he goes and finds prey. And if you're if you're feeling if you're <laughs> feeling a little masochistic, you you just buy like one step down of the toilet paper the next time you're in like the supermarket, just so you can like you know feel it. Yeah, let, let God punish your asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1909, uh, this little entitled Lang boy decides to leave home, and um, Lang liked to often tell how he roamed around the world with no money, just surviving off his wit and odd jobs. But in reality, this was just a standard rich kid vagabond uh, who would return every so often to Vienna to get more money from his parents and then bouncing around from art class to art class and guzzling booze. 
Must be nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he spent his, the majority of his time in Paris, falling in and out of love with various Parisian women. Uh, uh, his drink of choice was martinis. Sure. All right. Yes. Yeah, he sounds like a martini guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was tangeray, extra dry, and one olive. Um, oh. He actually used his martinis to pick up chicks, and we actually know his trick. Hey, I drink like do. a girl, too. You want to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a vodka crayon? Oh, my God. Travis, those are called Cape Cods. Okay. You've been over I this. don't even know. <laughs> so he'd, may, he'd meet some big titty lady. He mm-hmm. had a thing about big boobs, so I'm saying that as a fact. German, again. Well, he's not yeah. all bad. Yeah. And uh, he'd then load them up with a few drinks here and there, and he'd be like, hey, you ever see a blue martini? She'd be like, nah, I don't know what that is. It's so weird. And then he'd invite them back to his parents' funded apartment, right, and uh, show mm-hmm. her a blue martini, which he admitted was just a martini with blue food coloring in it. And then he slid his two skin olives into their, her butthole. That's how sex works. Oh, well, <clears throat> so I think I think there's uh, variances of rohypnol, which are blue. <laughs> it's I true. It. And Viagra. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, that doesn't work today. Hey, ladies, you ever seen a, a drink with a pill in it? <laughs> with I a have capsule my still house. dissolving? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Also, uh, how shallow are the imaginations of Parisian bitches at this point in time? Where it's just like, it's a martini. Just imagine it, but a different color. Yeah, it's not, it's like, not they, like Yeah, yeah it's not like they live in like bumblefuck and like they don't know what food coloring is. They're in Paris. Yeah, just a bunch yeah. of mongoloids. They're just putting it together. Now, like, we could imagine those things because we have Nintendo Switches and we've gone through a million times of reskinning uh, our avatars and picking new Twitter profiles, pictures, and shit. Back then, everything was boring. <laughs> yeah, but they had the color blue, is what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily defending them. I'm yeah, just yeah. painting a picture of what kind of like thick headed women he was bringing home. <laughs> And thick-chested. Yes, thick-chested. brained Well, I mean, you know, it's once the chest gets to a certain size, brain doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> sure. Uh, so in true affluenza fashion, mm. uh, little Fritz became obsessed with Far Eastern culture. I'd imagine a few, like, tapestries up in his pad, right? Like, And he even claimed to have traveled the world, but in reality... He kind of just stuck to France and maybe went to French Algeria once. Oh, that's that's exotic. The other France. Huh. So he's so, a weeb and he's got a boner for cowboys. Yep. All right. Cowboy All right. bebop. There you go. So during his life as a bohemian artist, um, World War I happened, Doug. Look at that. <laughs> Whew. He's in Europe. That's where it happened. The, yeah. All of, a su- all of a sudden, Fritz is swept up with a, with a wave of patriotism. His okay. ugly brother had already enlisted as a lieutenant in the Austrian army, and Fritz was not going to let that sack of shit outshine him. No. So, <laughs> so he set his mind on the army. So he's pulling punches for the Kaiser, I would assume? Yes, he's okay. on... 
he's on the the German side. He's on the wrong Shit side man. of history. Yeah. Yeah. Um so because his family was rich or were because his family were rich, mm-hmm. um he was guaranteed a spot as an officer. But much like me, he got a hernia. Oh! What was he did doing? That stop you from, yeah, did that stop you from getting in the military, Travis? It's probably too many martinis. You know, he's probably like, hey, man, like, I bet I could drink like six of these martinis in two seconds. You ever seen a, a blue bottle of liquor <laughs> go into Just- a man's ass? <laughs> no, actually. Come up to my up, upstairs. My parents did it for me. <laughs> I'm gonna show you. You can. I'm, I'm gonna ask you to help. <laughs> he beat me though because he was only 24 with a hernia, but he had some hernia surgery. Uh, Obviously, this 1911 doctor was a lot better than uh, my doctor today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Okay. Uh, because the shit got fixed, and he joined the 19th Imperial Landwehr Field Gun Division. Sounds yes. mean. Uh, eventually, he transferred to the Reconnaissance Cavalry and was deployed on the Eastern Front, which is the Germans versus the Russians. Oh, that's easy. Because yeah. the secrets didn't get out. When you fight on yeah. that side, you'd be as dirty as you want, and nobody's going to write books about it. Yeah. So actually, it's interesting. Everyone thinks about World War One. You think trench warfare, oh, but yeah. on the but on the Eastern Front, the line was far more fluid. The, things weren't like kind of stuck in that gridlock. So Fritz is in the cavalry. He's running behind you know enemy lines, like deep into enemy territory. Apparently, he fought fairly bravely. What does that entail? Um. It entails getting wounded a few times, two sil- silver medallions for his bravery, and in 1916, he was knocked from his horse by a piece of shrapnel that caused permanent eye damage. It did give him an excuse to wear his signature look, the monocle, mm. giving him that real Bond villain look before Bond was a thing. <laughs> hmm. uh, so he returned to the battlefield with his new monocle clenched in his eye and was redeployed to the Italian front. Again, he was injured by a bombardment and sent back to Vienna for two months recovery Wow! and a list of health problems like rheumatoid arthritis, dilated heart, eye problems, and nervous disorder, which is PTSD. Oh, but the hernia is cleared right up. Hernia is fine. Yeah, fuck you, doctor. This guy got blown up and he doesn't get a hernia again. I get a hernia that guy, the second you fucking use the good it. staples on that fucker. Yeah, maybe we should throw you off a horse. Yeah, I'll be a war horse. I'll eat shrimp off the ground when I fall. Wait, was the horse his brother? Yeah, it was like Babar and they were both elephants, but they rode each other. No, I meant his wind. deformed brother who looked like a horse. <laughs> Adolf? Yeah. It was the yeah, front I mean, half of the horse. Yeah, maybe. It was the front half of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. His Wait, are we talking about like a ass. costume or is he a centaur? Either either is funny. <laughs> okay. Imagine so guys- riding a centaur though. I don't know if I've ever like thought of a man riding a centaur. Because you can spoon them <laughs> yeah. while they're riding away. <laughs> I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> you can whisper sweet nothings into your yeah. centaur's ears. I feel so safe. That'd be weird if centaurs didn't speak English either. 
or whatever language you spoke. So it was just like, yeah, yeah dealing with some crazy horse animal man who only spoke mm-hmm. Farsi. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking I'm really surprised that like Enrique Iglesias was never had a music video where he was the centaur and they're just like oh, you can dance if you want me to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Him just doing a horse routine out there in the uh yeah. Yeah. the, the uh, three ring circus that everyone's <laughs> clapping and crying. So yeah, this litany of problems led to a discharge a few months before the war ended in nineteen eighteen. Say, this guy's really good at catching shrapnel. Let's send him home. So now we have this World War I vet, monocled, rich kid, strutting around Vienna. Good stuff. And this is when Fritz finds his first wife. Cool. <laughs> oh, just strutting around? Yeah, just strutting around, you know, with his, like, PTSD and, like, monocle and everything. <laughs> Nervous oh, yeah. combination. Oh, don't worry about that little Fritz over there. He screams a lot, but he's fine. <laughs> Just got mm-hmm. the nervous disease. <laughs> so, like much of Fritz's life in Europe, it's kind of murky. And by murky, all we really know about his first wife, in terms of her name, is just the initial L. Ooh, mysterious. Just L. Well, hang. <laughs> yeah. So... Fritz never talked about L later in his life. Uh, mm. People always thought that he was only married to his second wife. Um, but more on that a little later. The yes. author of the book I read did some digging and believes that her name may have been Lisa Rosenthal. So there you well. go. Yeah. Fritz, being the spoiled artist at heart, starts to get interest. Starts to get interested in. Uh, film after he met producer director Joe May. What did he do? Hmm. Did he do Field uh, of Dreams? <laughs> yeah, he hung out with Rosie O'Donnell. Wait, that wasn't Field of Dreams. That was, was League of Their Own. Yeah, League of the Dreams. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that was League of Their Own was just out of shape women. Um, <laughs> Field of Dreams was a, a a man who thought corn was baseball. <laughs> and ghosts. Yes, spooky ghosts. And Ray Liotta didn't have shoes. Yeah, let's just say that uh, Joe May made League of Their Own and Field of Dreams back in the 19-teens. Awesome. 19-teens. Sure, why not? So Lang becomes a dramaturg or story editor. I hate that word. Yeah. I just, you just like made me realize that word exists, and it's just like, fuck. Dramaturg? Yes. Dramaturg! It's like calling an author an, an author an auteur. And it's just like, dude, you just, you're, you're a story organizer. Shut up. Yeah, so that's actually interesting because remember, this is 1918. Yeah. It's the silent era of films. So there wasn't really script writing. It was more like writing what the scenario is about. Like, and just like, what are we going to see? <laughs> like, right, it's one guy with a whiteboard. And a sharpie that can't be removed from said whiteboard telling a bunch of poor people how they should dance around after they've been covered in dirt and straw while men are throwing uh, props at them, i.e. asbestos bombs, for effect. You you just use the dry erase marker to get rid of the permanent marker. Uh, But they didn't didn't know that. What? They didn't know that. Well, yeah, a long I mean, time like, ago. You, oh, okay, yeah. You got to remember, the can was invented years and years before the can opener. So I'm, I'm imagining the dry erase board 
was invented years and years before the dry erase the, marker. Mer- perfect sense. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So exactly, that's what Lang's doing. His first film that he ever wrote wah, was Lilith and Lie, which is now lost to time. We don't know what the movie... We, no one's ever seen it. Lost time. Lilith was the evil bitch in, in the Bible. Yeah. Ah, well, maybe that's, well, maybe that's where it is. It's in the Bible. Just look in the Bible. That was Eve's like half sister or something, giving Adam a tuggy. Like, you don't need to be in that garden of Eden. I get you covered right here. Yeah, so it was probably yeah. based on experience from from Lang's time in the cafes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, well. Quickly, Lang realizes if he wants to make it in film, he and his wife L have to move to the film capital of Europe, Berlin. Cool. So. By late 1918, he, him and his wife moved to Berlin. And um, now I don't know if you guys have seen the Netflix show, Babylon Berlin. It's a great show. Huh. No. Check it out. I will. But it's all about the roaring 20s in what a period called the uh, Weimar Republic. This is where Germany was really, really poor because they were paying for World War I. You know, they had huge war reparations. Yeah. That actually they only finished paying off about a decade ago. Which is bullshit that they had to keep paying them off after World War II. Because the only reason that started was because we made them pay the, for the whole tab. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like maybe because they, they did World War II, it's like, maybe we'll let, let it slide sooner, but you guys fucked up in World War II. I'm not justifying Nazis and shit like that. But the reason they were so fucking oppressed was they they had so much debt. Yeah, don't that's start true. shit. Don't start shit but with America. They weren't thinking right. They weren't like people who are in that much debt are never thinking right. Well, this is the time period we're in. People are not thinking right in Berlin, but at the same time, Berlin is a huge party city. It's the city of avant-garde sin, oh. served with a heaping spoon of hard drugs. What, so, what was the drug of choice? Everything. They had like cocaine back then. Yeah, there was morphine everything. and stuff from you know the war. Weed, yeah, war, uh, mixing it together. Yeah. So Fritz was a big old party boy. He would take whatever you gave him. But his true love was uppers. Now he was kind of a little bit of a meth head, but not like that dirty meth, like Texas meth that we talked about on the Stevie Ray Vaughan. This was oh. German amphetamine pills. It's good stuff. You take those, you're going to get twice as much time out of your day, and you're going to live to 130. Oh, yeah. You might yeah. become a racist, but... <laughs> It'll clear up your cataracts, too, I think. You'll get a lot done. Yeah, you'll also get sick if you ever walk into a uh, 7-Eleven. You'll be like, what does that smell? Taquitos. <laughs> There's so many dirty uh, country varieties in that taquito cuisine. <laughs> it's got American influence. I smell a Mexican rank. influence. All right, well, let's get those Jews, and then we'll talk yeah. from there. So anyway, he's in Berlin, and he starts to he begins to start directing his own films, and he develops a certain dark, like German, like I mentioned, German expre- expressionism oh, kind of yay. feel to his movies. Very sharp shadows. Yeah. And like dark I, themes, like revolving around the story, high and contrast. Film, yeah, film historians actually call that now Langian. So he has his own uh, term. So he was doing something right if he gets his own term. Mm. Yeah. 
But also, keep in mind, remember, this is back when everything you did was groundbreaking because nothing had been done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing. Oh. You're, yeah. You're, no, I mean, like, sorry, guy. You're you're breaking ground if you're the first moron eating a cow pie. You know what I mean? Just like, I'm doing it. Yeah, the L.A. Beast broke ground when you, like, I don't know, ate glass or something. No one's done that before willingly. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's very easy to say that in hindsight, because all the shit that we do now, it's super easy to just do it. But yeah. back then, they were, like, like I said, thick heads, real Neanderthal-like. Mm-hmm. Everything was simple, right. like, complex. Like, right now, you can give a kid, you can give a 13-year-old kid uh, a, a thousand-piece puzzle, and the only reason they wouldn't complete it is because they didn't feel like it. Yeah, there's an iPad. Right. Okay. But back then, you got to give people, I don't know, maybe a 30-piece puzzle, and they might not be able to get it. Yeah. Because they're no, just I see like, what, what was this photograph cut up into jigsawed pieces? I just think it's kind of funny. I mean, like, if you look at film history, right, like, one of the first films that, like, really shocked people was, like, a train yeah. driving towards the screen. People are like, oh, my God. That's a myth, by the way. Is it? Yeah, that's a myth. The guy who set I mean, up I'm... the camera next to the train and said that everyone jumped, nobody jumped. He was the, hi- <laughs> he was the PR guy. He's a hype man. Yeah, hype man. That's a hot sack of shit uh, that people like Leonard Maltin tell you so you believe in the magic of film. Which, <laughs> in its entirety, uh, the whole industry can get fucked. Well, you're going to like the rest of this episode, especially when we get into Hollywood. Great. Right now we're in Germany. So Lang's first big breakout film was... Dice Binden or the Spider. Okay. Um, this was a story about a sportsman ad- the a sportsman explorer that sets out to a vague Asian temple to find a treasure. But guess what? There's tarantulas in there. Oh. <laughs> and then <laughs> and uh and an antagonist I see to the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spiders. <laughs> So what did Toby <laughs> Maguire do? Dude, he was just hanging out. He was like, what up, dog? <laughs> just having a beer with the spiders. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was definitely I- one of those close-up on his eyes, you know. Yeah, with, oh! like, with, the, with the lighting going through. Yeah. Oh, my God, spiders. <laughs> Don't touch them. We haven't invented pesticides yet. Oh. 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 <laughs> yeah, pesticides back in the day were boots. <laughs> just a, a, a can of raid that when you sprayed it just, just fucking a little boots, boots came out. Yeah. <laughs> Stay still. So after the spider, uh Lang was actually approached to direct the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Wait, that is also familiar. That's also another huge German expressionist film, one of the most influential like horror fo- mo- movies of all time. I mean, sure, there was some horror movies before that, but this one really was super stylistic and and cool. It's directed by Robert Wine. Yeah, I watched that on Netflix a while ago. Um, I don't What's think it it's about? on there I, still. I need to know what it's about. So I, I, need, I need my memory jogged. Um, I I honestly turned it off halfway through because they didn't uh, say okay. shit. Cabinet. Ah! Hey, Travis, why don't you unplug all your dumb shit <laughs> that's listening to you all the time? <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't do anything except turn your lights on and off. 
No, it also wakes me up in the morning. Now it's waking me up in the evening. An alarm it's clock wake- was a perfected science a long time ago. You don't need Google uh, to, to capture all your sleep talking so it can pitch you different types of burritos <laughs> when you wake up in the morning. Oh, you know what? Sometimes I just need to know, are the taquitos ready at 7-Eleven? Yes. Oh, wait. They always are. No, sometimes they're not ready. Go for a walk then. No, that defeats the, the point of a taquito. How convenient is that if you have to wait, Tom? <sighs> All right. So anyway, wh- if you can sit through it, because I know watching a silent film can be a little bit challenging nowadays, but put on Dr. Caligari. It's cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha? Gotcha. Gotcha. It's easier to get through a silent film if you bring a few chapsticks with you and uh-huh. apply for the entire time. <laughs> Just to various parts of your body, not necessarily your lips. I would say focus on the lips, but you can wander. Yeah, spread out. That's what I call it when I'm using chapsticks for things that it's not intended to be used for. Yeah, get under your eyelids. (laughs) Oh, my tatas are so chapped. Mm. So, all right, as I mentioned, Lang directed 44 films over the course of his career. And I'm not going to go into all of them because it's saying a film history class and who the fuck cares? I don't. Yeah. So I'm just going to talk about like two of the big ones that he did and then like the fucked up shit that Lang did on set. Cool. Fair enough. I'll take it, man. So Lang was one of those old school asshole directors, like directors we need nowadays that'll make actual good films. Because directors nowadays are too nice to actors. Fuck them. They no, but are the, stupid but they, people. All right, so it's the producer's job. Well, the producer is another big problem. No, no, it's the producer's job to be mean to everyone and, and have sex with all the hot ladies and young and up-and-coming boys and Zac Efron they, with the likes. Yes. <laughs> they have quotas. Yeah. Do you guys see that shit about Harvey Weinstein, by the way, on a little bit of a tangent? I mean, what shit about him? There's, there's a lot like of shit new shit. Him. No, there's new shit. This. Oh, okay. One of the accusers is like in court saying that he didn't have balls and, in fact, had something that resembled a vagina under his what? cock where his scrotum should be. So, like, he is very possibly intersex. What? And now he's in a position where even if he's not, he's got to show his cock and balls to a courtroom. <laughs> Oh, my God. And by the way, I'm not defending Harvey Weinstein whatsoever, but if you look at the text that this woman brought to the table as her evidence, she is leading him on so bad. Uh, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's okay. all this shit where, where, where she's going, hey, cutie, what are you doing tonight? Yeah, but Harvey's uh, Epstein, too. Super Epstein. I'm not pro-Harvey. I am just yeah. extremely skeptical of people in Hollywood, the place where people go to try to get famous, to use other means to get famous. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, I, he, he can get fucked. Like, I'm, I can't stick up for him. I don't want it. It's not about that. But, like, when the, when the girl is going in front of a whole uh, courtroom saying, firstly, presenting texts that were all lubby-dubby and cutesy-wootsy, and all those other rhyming terms that I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then proceeds to go, oh, yeah, he uh, had no testicles and uh, he had a, a vagina. Second butthole. <laughs> See, now, 
that woman might be the greatest troll to mankind. Because, like, Harvey Weinstein could have just had a regular, like, regular old scrote, and the fact that she's saying this precipitates him having to show a courtroom his balls now. Like, all this weird, like, detail shit. I don't know, but Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. L- sorry for the tangent, but that no, was no. very interesting to me. We'll get to Hollywood. We will get there, Tom! All right. We're all working right. on it. All right, I'll shut up. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, no, don't shut up. I want to learn more about Harvey's false vagina. Yeah, Harvey's hearty. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so um, Fritz became all consumed with film. He just started pumping him out. He even missed his own mother's funeral in 1920 because he was oh. too busy on a film shoot. Oh, man. Back when uh, films didn't really have uh, time constraints because ah yeah. uh, too busy and and embalming yeah. really they didn't really have it down just yet you know what I mean <laughs> like they were pumping corpses full of yogurt and we're just like oh this is worse now <laughs> it stinks but it looks okay from across the room so Lang starts to get some notoriety he's walking around Berlin like with his dick out like I'm a big ass director dog maybe I have balls maybe there's a vagina underneath my balls I don't know uh, then he meets blonde hair blue eyed story editor Thea Von Harbro Theo Von the- Harbro Thea Thea Von Harbro so Thea was a knockout besides being buxom which Lang, which Lang loved, she had another. I think his key feature: legs. That's right. Lang was a legs man. Legs and tits. Well, once you have those things, most other yeah. areas are covered. Yeah. There you, there go. you go. So Thea and Fritz start working on projects together, like actual projects. I'm not making some innuendo or something. Fine. They they start tag teaming pre production. Uh. Creating amazing stories that Lang would go on to direct, all while mashing themselves into each other and making their hard parts hard and wet parts wet. So projects, projects. Okay. How interesting do you think it would be if we, in the middle of this film we're working on, hear me out, we put a mattress commercial, <laughs> and on the mattress commercial uh-huh. is you and I, oh. bumping what? our legs. <laughs> is that what is that what old timey sex was called? Bumping yes. legs. I've heard Bump- bumping uglies, and that that just tickles me pink. Yeah, I didn't want to imply that she was uh, ugly or he was ugly, and no, I think I've heard ad- I think I've heard uglies too many times. Maybe that's yeah, why bu- I didn't say it. Maybe I'm wrong for thinking that though. Just squiggling your spaghetti legs. Yes, us just uh, jousting at the, the knees. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so things between. Lang and his wife, Elle, were not going too well. Uh, by the way, Thea wasn't the only chick that he was getting it with. He was never, like, a faithful husband. Um, so, like I said, like Lang always fell in and out of love very quickly. And um, during one argument with his wife, Elle, in a Paris hotel, um, in front of producer Herman Milowski's wife... Is a producer. Did I say mm-hmm. that? I'm, I just fumbled through that whole thing. Yeah, you, the, the so, sentence yeah. was actually a huge fumble. Yeah. So during an argument with his wife in a Paris hotel, um, Lang actually pulled out his Browning pistol and yelled at her, 
in front of Herman Milowski's wife, who was a producer. Huh. Uh, right. So classy. He's pulling out a pistol yeah. on his wife. Being yeah. like, hey. Listen, bitch, shut up. Yeah. Just, just shut <laughs> he up. He has that engraved on the barrel of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Listen, bitch, shut up. Yeah. Uh, this is going to take a while to inscribe. That's many words. Usually we just do anagrams or initials. Yeah. <laughs> so one day, Fritz's wife, Elle, was coming home from some shopping and uh, opens the door to her apartment and bang, there's Fritz, balls deep in Thea on the living room couch. Classy. And by the living room couch, you mean uh, Brother Adolf. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't into the furniture. <laughs> uh, So what happened next is up to debate. Now, according to Lang and Thea, Elle stormed off to the bathroom. They heard a gunshot, and then Elle went upstairs and found, or sorry, then Lang went upstairs and found Elle dead in the tub using Fritz's huh. exact same Browning pistol that he was caught threatening her with hmm. Hmm. a few weeks before. Just shut up, bitch. All Weird. over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Probably. A- yeah. Well, she's dead. We got that much. Can't undo that. Do you, yeah. do you, do you think that she did that? I don't know. But <laughs> yes, I don't know. Uh, I, okay. I, I mean, either that or, you know, uh, Lang was a regular old Hillary Clinton. <laughs> so, uh, here, I'll, 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 I'll solidify it for you. I think it was perfectly explained by Fritz's friend, Lot Elsner. Well, first of all, first off, there was the bullet hole for L was right in the middle of her chest, like right through the sternum. Okay. Ew. Yeah. So, Lot explained that there was no way that there was foul play, and she he said, "Of course he, ki- of course she killed herself. That's why she shot herself directly in the chest. She's so proud of her perfect breasts. The young woman could not pull the gun on her left breast." Instead, she shot in the middle, so she wouldn't mess up her rack. Yeah, always leave because it up you need to those a, when you're dead. Always <laughs> leave it up to a guy named Lot to tell other people what women are thinking, yeah. especially about their own breasts. I I'm pretty certain that if I had breasts that were beautiful, but I was also, uh, let's say, in a way to kill myself, I don't think yeah. I'd be thinking breasts at all. Yeah, but also, who shoots themselves in the chest? I can like, see yeah. the dramatic I mean, like... effect, you know, a little bit of this, a little very, like, uh, you know, if Shakespeare had guns, that's probably how he would use them. <laughs> yeah. I say I will off myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, I, there aren't organs behind that except for, like, your brachia. You know what I mean? So, like, that's just drowning in your own blood for a few minutes, I feel like. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never done it. It's so. just lungs. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably so, live through that for yeah. a few dumb minutes. So to make things more sketchy, right after Lang called the police, he called Herman Milowski's wife, the woman that that uh, saw him threaten his wife with a pistol. Yeah. Right? So he's like, oh, I, got, I have terrible news. Elle just killed herself with my pistol that you saw me sh- threaten her with the other day. Yes, the one that's engraved. <laughs> Shut up, bitch. And yeah. I, I couldn't have shot her. My monocle was downstairs. <laughs> I can't aim yes. without my monocle. 
This is my reader monocle. Shut up. I used my monocle as a butt plug in Thea's butthole. Yes, we were preoccupied. You see, I was balls deep in another woman when my lovely wife ran upstairs with her perfectly nice knockers and shot right between them with my gun, of all things. So because Lang was such a big deal, he was able to sweep the investigation under the table. Police ruled it a suicide. And Lang quickly held a funeral in the coming days, quickly enough where Elle's parents couldn't make it up in time from Vienna to question the murder. Okay, was his (laughs) next film called The Police Are Awesome, and it starred the whole police force? Yeah. You guys guys want to be a star? You want to be a star? You want to just... Guess what? We love police, and we go to McDonald's, and we write pigs on the the fucking coffees we get. I don't even want to get into that because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we don't do funny on this podcast. Yeah, no. we we do moderate funny, not so funny. That's above our pay grade of nothing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so interest, interestingly enough, a lot of Lang's following movies, like which were really dark to begin with, a lot of them involve suicide. Often of his main character, like offing themselves or like a side character. So it's like, see, look, suicide. I know about that. I've seen it. It's terrible. (laughs) Well, it's a great way to end a movie. Yeah. If you're like stuck, if you're working your way through act three and you just can't wrap it up. Oh, yeah. um, Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. Shortly after this, Lang and Thea get married. Um, Oh, convenient. They they then work together on another action adventure epic called Dr. Mabuse. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. This gets some world acclaim. And uh, and here's where we get our first real look into the the maniacal treatment Lang has towards his cast and crew. Ah, I'm excited. All this with a monocle. So first off, this consisted throughout his entire career. Lang just never did one take. It was more like ten or twenty. <laughs> All right, a little overboard. Yeah, according to his film editors, he would often. I mean, he would almost always pick either the first or last take. He'd be like, oh, the first one was great. They nailed it on the first one. Or it would be the last one. So one of his editors actually purposely mixed up the film reels. Uh So they were out of order. And Lang picked the first or last take, which was either like the eighth take or the ninth take. Right. So he just has numerology boner as opposed to just like an aesthetic boner. Very sociopathic. That's something I've learned with working with clients, that if you hand over something, you hand over a project, and it has V1 at the end of it, or option one, they're going to want uh, a V2 or an option two very soon. But if you just name it and send it to them, they just ask for some changes, and then that's it. Well, because Hmm. they want to prove that they have worth. (laughs) Yeah, but if you you set them up with a number one, then their minds go crazy. And they this change all your work. Like three or four, at least. Yeah. Yeah, they do a bunch of, like, minuscule changes that don't really change the product at all. And they yeah. just bust your fucking nuts open. Yeah. So also, keep in mind, when I say Lang is doing, like, 10, 20 takes, mm-hmm. this isn't digital camera times. No, no, This no, is no. where you're, you're spending money on film that has to be developed, you know, that it's not just like, oh, let me just do a thousand takes on my phone, bruh. It's like, nah. And also, those lights back then, like, lights today are hot. 
Back then, they'd like melt your face. Miniature suns just in the <laughs> yeah. room. And everyone seemingly okay with like the open fireball cooking everything in the room. But a lot of times, Fritz would redo things, especially if someone was like getting beat up. So by the time they're on the last take, they're actually like fucking hurting. Like some guy yeah. broke his hand on set because he was banging on a door. <laughs> like, yeah. like. And, and just to like piggyback on what you said, it's kind of like ass backwards that he favored like the first or last take because statistically speaking, the best take is usually your second or third because like the first take is usually like the dry run getting out of the way. Yeah. And by like the fourth or fifth take, people are just winded and, it, and they seem monotonous in their acting and performance. So usually like the butter zone for good take is around two or three. There you go. There's a little film so, info for you. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's very weird that he's picking the polar opposites of what is known to probability to be acceptable. So during this Doctor Mabuse, Mabuse. Uh, there's there's a gunfight and there's a lot of people running for cover. Right? There's some gunfight in a crowd. Right? And Lang is like yelling at all these groups to like move from here to there, one point to the next, and they weren't looking frantic enough. So. Lang picks up the rifle, which was shooting blanks, mm. loads it with live rounds, no. and then starts firing it a few feet above the actor's head into like a nearby door. <laughs> so, okay. and actually, there were a few minor injuries from the bullet spray produced by the wood splinters of yeah. Lang shooting at this door. <laughs> so, no. he, by being such a monstrous asshole, he invented method acting. Yeah. <laughs> Forced method acting. Yeah. So during another scene, Lang wanted to produce, wanted to recreate uh, La Botelli's, is that how you pronounce it? Birth of Venus? La Bucelli? You know the, the picture of the chick coming out of a clam? Oh, Titty yeah, girl yeah. coming out of clam? Oh, so, I, I've uh, seen that bit of footage. Yeah, so Lang had his heart set on having his nude model be a, pre -pu or a pubescent girl. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> careful. Yeah, being a pubescent girl. Either way, it's underage. <laughs> okay. Mm. So he goes down to the local clubs in Berlin and finds a 14-year-old-ish girl, blonde ish. girl. Oh, oh. Yeah. The fact that ish was involved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, all right, you're going to be a movie. She comes to the set the next day two hours late, which was something Lang would never stand for. Remember, he just treats his actors like cattle. Right. Regardless if they're 14-ish years old. Right, but here's the thing. Because he had the hots for this 14-year-old, he oh, kind of okay. let it slide. She kind of bossed him around a little bit that day. Ooh. So she gets naked and stands in this clamshell in front of the hot lights and crew. And Travis ejaculated instantly. Ew. That's Ew, a 14-year-old, no. Cody. Travis I mean, is a I'm, dirty, dirty that man. That was a clam the one joke. Thing he's Oh, the clam joke. Uh, that was a clam okay. joke that I'm landed awkwardly. Yeah, okay, I see where you're coming from, but also <laughs> uh, Travis is now officially Roast Mortem's pedophile. No! By accident. <sighs> it's an accidental total, pedophile. Total accident. So much like, much like uh, I yelled, cut, 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 uh, sure. Lang yells, cut, 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 everything's wrong here, everything's wrong. And everyone's like, what's wrong? Like, it looks great. Like, we shot it really well. It was, <laughs> naked, you know, naked, whatever. She's naked 14, lady. but Come on. cool. We got the shot. And Lang's like, I see blonde pubes. They have got to go. Oh, so, so, got it. 
So this 14-year-old girl is like, no way am I shaving my pubes. Because remember, back then, people had their heads on straight, and they're like, hey, I don't want to see a hairless pussy, because that means that I'm like, you know, going for underage girls. I want to see some hair on that woman. Yes, but here's Fritz being like, no, 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 do it. Yeah. So she argues with Fritz for a little bit, and Lang is trying to like, all right, make a boy. Make me a skin prosthetic to cover up her bush. And so the dude makes like a backwards merkin on this 14-year-old girl. Like a skull cap. (laughs) Yeah, bald cap. Yeah. What? Yeah. Here, uh, let me whip out my Hollywood Dana Carvey plastic set and uh, see what I can muster up for your bottom area, 14-year-old girl. Uh, (laughs) After this, we'll get you into that Spice Girls concert. Yeah, instead of a cod piece, it's a broad piece. Oh, God. (laughs) So Lang takes his first trip to America. Lovely. Yeah, and upon his arrival, Thea and him both get inspired by the sprawling skyline of New York City. Mm -hmm. Fritz shared some same thoughts about the shithole that is New York City that I did. That's the reason why I'm 3,000 miles away right now. All right, dude, we get it. He described the weather as being dreadfully hot, and the city seemed uh, like a crater of blind, confused human forces, pushing together, grinding on each other, motivated by greed. Wow. Okay, come from a, coming from a guy who shot his wife, so you and the guy who shot his wife have something in common. <laughs> Congrats. <All> <laughs> so, um, the second they get back to Berlin... Uh, Lang starts working on his most well-known movie, Metropolis, which is considered, again, as one of the biggest or first big sci-fi epics. And the story takes place in a dystopian futuristic city run by, like, uh, the ruling class, the wealthy, uh, putting an oppression on the downtrodden slave working class. And, Cody, you watched it, right? I did. I I I loved it. You made me watch it, or you suggested I watch it for this. And I fucking never saw it, and I loved it. And I, I, I used to see all the fucking posters and be like, that's a cool poster now. I know why. It, it's, it's, it's got the dystopian vibe, which I'm all, I always have a hard peen for. That's nice. It's got uh, a little bit of a socialist vibe like that. That's good. It, uh, it's, got, it's, it's got a nice punch in the face for, like, you know, the metaphors literally going on. Very, very obvious. So, like, you, even your dullard smooth brain, you can pick up what's going on. It's actually, you know, it's, it was made in 1927. Yes. And it's actually surprising. Like, you watch it, and it holds up. Like, Dude. it holds up better than, like, 90s, like, shit CG movies. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it had everything like, I liked. It tickled he- me. Held up better than Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks never held at all. No. (laughs) No one was like, this is sick. And then (laughs) 10 years later, we're like, maybe Jar Jar wasn't as sick as we initially said. Yeah. Um, No, Metropolis is actually, uh, it's free on YouTube if you want to watch it. Oh, my God. If you you do watch it on YouTube, though, there's literally like 28 commercial breaks in it. YouTube red, bro. Just get do, an ad blocker. Do one of the two things my co-hosts have just suggested. <laughs> I don't know how people live without ad blockers. Like I, I've had an ad blocker for the last six years of my life. It's and, nice. And every time I go to someone's house, 
and they're pulling something up on YouTube that I that I don't want to see. And you see that yellow fleck in the timeline. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and it's like, it. I have to watch an ad before I watch this stupid fucking music video that's not even that good. Fuck, man. <laughs> Get a goddamn ad blocker. It's free. You will save years of your life. Respect your time more. <laughs> so it's interesting. When I last time, like, Tom, you mentioned you saw it years ago, Metropolis. It was probably when we were both doing film in high school or something like that, right? Yeah, when I was... Um Happy. I don't know, dumber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I remember watching it back then. Well, I don't really remember it because uh, it was like fresh to me almost. But the version on YouTube is actually different than the one I saw because they found the original cut in yes. 2008. Uh, most of So I probably like, watched it back in like 2005. And apparently it was a jumbled mess. Like they were missing like key scenes and everything and like... Yeah, so it's kind of There's still one scene missing to this day as far as like Yeah. the piecing back of that film has gone. But you can get a general idea for the missing scene if you go to uh, pornhub.com and type in <laughs> triple penetration. Yes. Just imagine that where it says scene missing and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, this was a massive production. Remember, this is a time before CG, so all these there was like little model sets and everything, and every single person uh, had to be physically in front of the camera. Uh, so shooting began in May nineteen twenty, uh, May twenty second, nineteen twenty five, and apart from the eight principal roles, there were seven hundred and fifty actors that had small parts, twenty six thousand male extras, eleven thousand female extras. 750 children extras, 100 Negroes, and 75 Chinese. Yeah. On the film budget. I didn't use the word Negroes. That was what... No, you just did. We all heard you. Uh, Yeah, you said it. It's fine. Um, It's interesting that... um, Well, it's not that interesting, really. People just were down to do whatever. They wanted to be around famous people and shit. You know, like... We talked about on that one episode where Alpha Alpha went to Times Square or something and the whole place blew up and there was 100,000 yeah. people there. You put out some flyers, say, hey, you want to be in a movie on Saturday? You're just going to get 11,000 people. Well, yeah, also, and they were like paid something. And remember, like you said, Tom, like Germany, it's like post World War One. They're poor as fuck. Right. Like you can feed them, like give them like a banana and they'll be like, that's great. I'll do a week's worth of shoot. Ooh, nom nom. So, Fritz, as I mentioned, was terrible with his actors. His principal actors were treated like shit, doing hundreds and hundreds of takes. Um, One of the actors I mentioned before banged his hand so hard on a door because of doing, like, 20 takes. His hand was broken. Wow. The lead actress nearly roasted on a steak during the scene where she's supposed to be roasting on a steak. I was wondering (laughs) how they got that shot to look so convincing. I was just like... Wait a minute. There's yeah. no CGI in fucking 1925. Her, it's her dress like caught fire, and they put it out like seconds after you know they cut. It's actually easier to roast someone now because you can say, "Oh yeah, just get on the spit. I got digital fire." Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was like, uh, "That's where that's my position for this around yeah. these men with small parts in this film." S- See, you're talking like a Hollywood actor. Yeah. This is Berlin. They're like, director, you will beat me. 
get on the stick. It is my turn is, to get on the stick and emote. This is called <laughs> practical effects. Yeah. Enjoy. So so the extras were treated like real shit, though. Yeah, so, they must have been treated like cattle. Yeah, I mentioned the 750 children actors that Fritz hired. Uh, mainly these are kids that he found off the streets of Berlin. Many of them, like, skinny and starving, as you can see in the film. Yeah. Yeah, and the scene where there's the most of them is where the underground city where all the workers live is flooding. Yep. Um, so most of these kids were put in water that was, like, freezing cold for multiple days, like a week. You know, massive jets of water, like, raining down on them. And, you know, and you look at the scene and everyone's crammed so tight. Yeah. You know, it's that's, not that's like, one of his motifs. Like, yeah, you, you said he thought New York was like a suffocating mass of people. So throughout the movie, he does this. Uh, he goes for this effect with a suffocating mass of people. Only the thing is, you can't fake that. So you have actual people suffocating amongst children other people. And the thing yeah. is, like the weird thing is, like, you know, it's all practical effects and you you must know He's using starving children in his movie because there's no other substitute for it at this time. So it's this like weird, like ooh, bad feeling where it's just like, I know what you did to this to get this effect, and it was be a dick. <laughs> well, Travis, yeah. you said that they were being sprayed down with cold water. Yeah, in this yeah. scene, they're being soaked. Well, yeah, it's like up to their like weight. I mean, depending on there's like toddlers. Okay, well, so it was like up to their waist, up to their neck. You know, as far as <laughs> I'm sprayed. concerned. Not a fire hazard. No. So it's fine. No. OSHA would be, OSHA no, would stamp this one. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, Tom, because you said you watched a long time ago, but I'm sure you've been to like some like shows, like metal shows or something where there's like that press against the stage. I'm always backstage. And, like, things... I'm always backstage. What? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh I've never seen it. No, I've never seen it. Yes. I'm, I'm friends with it. a lot of people, so I go backstage. And... <laughs> Yeah, but it's like that press at a show where like things can get horribly bad. Like people die in the front of those yeah. like presses. In the same vein, I recently read about this. It was called the Barnsley Public Hall disaster, and it was pretty much just a theatrical event. And it was in such great attendance. Like after the show, like there was an announcement that candy was being given out downstairs. So immediately, like all of the children rushed downstairs and crushed like themselves in the process <laughs> oh, so oh shit yeah so like 40 kids died because like the 80 candy, kids candy. behind them pushed them into like a door that was bolted open that way you know why that happened too right because the fast ones the ones who just wanted a little treat were trampled by a bunch of uh travis's who were a little ones. slower Hello. that fell down the stairs and crushed them all <laughs> Yeah, the, the only the biggest will survive. Yeah. yeah, so the ones who had plenty of candy were the ones who <laughs> killed the kids who wanted a little candy. I want a Crunchy Roll bar. Give me it. Yep, yep. All right, so there's another scene where there's this weird flashback where they're building the biblical Tower of Babylon. Um, now, they shot this in the dead of winter, and it involved 4,000 men who were almost entirely naked, um carrying boulders real boulders not styrofoam like guts shit and uh they were all bald so first of all he had to shave four thousand men's heads which required a hundred barbers which took about a day just to do and then these men were just like laboring for hours in the cold like 
schluffing boulders up a, a hill. Oh, oh yeah, and they like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had shoes. And they like, they 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 actually like almost walked off set. Like there was like a almost a set insurrection that happened there. A mutiny. Huh. Yeah. You know what? That's whatever. You signed up for the job. You got to do it. Yeah. So with so like I like we kind of touched on that before. Why all the retakes? So Lang demanded realism. One of his friends on the set, I say friends, he didn't really have many friends. Yeah. But one of his friends on the set of Metropolis said that malicious tongues whispered that if he could have, Lang would have gladly, without scruples, have someone really shot, stabbed, strangled uh, for, say, an execution scene, murder, or suicide. Then he'd be able to film, guaranteed for real, the death throes of a human being before their life was blotted out. Yeah. Anyone want to get married? Anyone want to get married so I can kill you? <laughs> so the film took 310 days and 66 nights, nights to complete. Um, it's a really great film. Watch it. There's also an anime version if you like big-ass titties. It came out about 10 years ago. What? Yeah, Metropolis. Check it out. I will. Fuck. Hmm. So yeah, uh, the next big film Fritz did, and this is the second one that I'm kind of going to bring up, is the f- movie M, which came out in 1931. Now this was his like real major first talkie that he did. Sick. Uh, the story took place around a child serial killer. It was based around something that was actually happening in Berlin. There was a dude walking around killing kids. All right. Okay. Oh, not a child ki- serial yeah, killer. Yeah, I was going to ask no, you to like clear a, that up. Like a serial killer of children. Yeah, that so happened. Not a Chucky. Yeah. But, uh, a Chucky was a doll. Yeah, but he, Damien. He, there you go. Yeah, that Damien, dude liked, got, you know, killing Tom's people. Tom's got the assist. I yeah, think. so La- Lang discovered Peter Lorre for this role. You might know him. The guy Are with you- the bug eyes. It's like hammer. Oh, like, Igor. I feel like he's been like if you watched Animaniacs, you know who Peter Lorre is because they always used to like do a version of him. Yeah, they uh, yeah, well yeah. the old Bugs Bunny cartoons used to have him uh in there a lot. And he's got that face. You know, you know for a fact if he didn't get this acting gig, he'd be working at a Domino's. In fact, <laughs> I want you to, all the listeners to do me a favor and type in Tate Domino's. And you will see a man that looks looks like he's his doing? son. I'm, I'm so Tate curious. Domino's? Tate Domino's. And then compare the man who comes up in the images to Peter Lorre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Tate. What a good boy. That's Peter Lorre's son. Grandson. Oh, man. I saw that commercial and I was just like, it's goddamn Peter Lorre. He lives. So again, there was be- brutal treatment of his actors. Laurie swore to never work with Lang again. Now, the reason why I bring this one up is it's another really great movie. You should watch it. Originally, the movie was called Murderers Among Us. But because this came out in 1931, the Nazi party had a little bit of a problem calling it the Murderers Among Us. Because, hmm. like, there's Nazis. Well, they didn't want to give uh, away their secret plan of... <laughs> Uh, bringing murder amongst figurative the Nazis us. care about PR. Yeah. So the f- Fritz Fritz Lang and the Nazis is a complicated and obscured subject. Fritz 
uh, had taken German citizenship in the 1920s and became a very proud new citizen of Germany. Peter Lorre, while living in Hollywood, said that Fritz and Thea hung a swastika banner outside of their apartment during the 1930s. Sounds like so, Fritz. Yeah, so uh, maybe a Nazi. Thea was, Thea was a known Nazi member. Fritz might have just been like, I don't care. Whatever, bitch. Hang your fucking symbol. It's like, fine. I uh, look, I know we're moving in together. You can hang up one of your fish tapestries, <laughs> okay? I won't bother you. Just give me this wall, and mm -hmm. uh, let's not put the jar bears all over the place, okay? <laughs> we're going to have to peel these stickers off the wall. It's called cohabitation. I don't want to see all these swastikas all over the place. <laughs> Just put one outside. So Thea, yeah, Thea and Fritz, bro uh, their marriage broke off uh, several years after it started. Um, affairs were happening left and right, kind of. Well, it didn't break off like, you know, they kind of separated because there was loads of affairs going on. Obviously, Lang couldn't have one vagina and he had picked up a... BDSM habit. Ah, um, lovely. Yes. Uh, someone said that Fritz could not come without tasting blood. Ah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. For real? Yep. As we'll see, possibly. Uh, no. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. In a form of cosmic irony, uh, Fritz caught Thea getting banged out on the couch of his apartment by her Indian lover. Hmm. Um, and then he broke off the marriage. Oh, you got he John didn't kill him. Well, I, I really would have gone the other way because if it had gone through the cycle, the natural cycles, he would have gone upstairs and shot himself between his perfectly <laughs> terrible tits. No, yeah. no, no, he would have shot himself between his two, like his, his scrot. You know what I mean? Like right in between <laughs> his two balls. Oh yeah, and just be <laughs> like holding him up, like uh, oh, these are great. So um, this Indian lover was kind of interesting because she uh, he was old enough to be Thea's son, and also Thea was a registered Nazi. So Indians Ooh. were not exactly the master race, you know. Yeah, but they Nazi were. I, I think to the Nazis they were better than uh, Jews. Well, Nazis just filed everything under Nazi or other. No, yeah. that, that's not true. Actually, they had a um, the whole eugenics thing was a list of righteous races so like the japanese the reason they were good allies because they saw them as being like these really honorable like uh clean people and they were like oh your race is is like our race yeah well we'll we'll get into the scruples of the nazi party and their eugenics program in just a, a bit yeah oh, jumping the gun tom yeah throwing the word scruples around when talking about nazis yeah <laughs> a couple of scruples we gotta yeah, you know, really bang out here. Unfortunately, uh, History Channel has been uh, overrun <laughs> by pawn the shop shows, so we can't uh, revisit it there. <laughs> so the Nazi party, Hitler, and especially Goebbels, really loved Fritz Lang movies. They saw uh, his movies as a source of national pride. Goebbels and Lang's Lang were on a friendly basis. You know, they would meet and hang out. There's pictures of them. <laughs> yeah, Goebbels Lang and Lang sounds like a sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goebbels actually told Lang that Hitler's favorite movie was Metropolis. Cody, you oh, said you liked it. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. Um, 
And he and Hitler said this about Lang that here is a man that will give us great Nazi films. So uh, his movie Die Nibligen, <laughs> which is a story lifted from German folklore, um, actually caused the Nazi top brass to break down and weep. Oh god! Wow, the man gets Nazis to cry. Interesting. The guys who shoot their dogs. <laughs> Wow. What? <laughs> so Goebbels, he must be good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, must, he be, must good. be good. <laughs> Said Travis about the Nazis. Must be good. No, not the Nazis. Lang. Lang. Yeah, yeah you got to give credit where credit's due. If okay, you make yeah, a, a Nazi, Nazi cry, you, you yeah. have a talent. <laughs> so Goebbels, who who ran the Ministry of Propaganda, and had banned a few of Lang's movies in the early '30s for being too subversive to the Nazi cause. Even though he profusely apologized to Lang, he's like, "Sorry, I gotta ban these ones because uh, not too national enough." Yeah, it's not you; it's your filthy shit that you put out. <laughs> Goebbels had big plans for Lang, but Lang had a little problem. His mother was Jewish. Huh, huh. <laughs> das Juden. Okay. So Lang's Jewishness kind of put him on edge like again he was a practicing catholic his entire life almost but you know when your mother's vagina is jewish you're jewish it's contagious that way yeah yeah it really does settle <laughs> in nicely <laughs> so there's this big meeting um that again this is all there's like seven different stories of this yeah but uh there's a meeting between fritz and goebbels and the topic of him being not a pure Aryan came up. And Goebbels said, and I'm sure like fucking Fritz like shit a brick when he's a, it's like, you know that we know about your flaw, right? Oh. <laughs> flaw with a capital F, probably. Yeah. But then Gurgle, uh, Gurgles. Gurgles. <laughs> then Goebbels. <laughs> that was the sound he made when Hitler came in the room. <laughs> He is so no. funny that his name rhymes with his hobbits. <laughs> but then Goebbels followed up. He said, but your qualities as a film director are so exceptional that we intend to make you the president of the Reichsfilmmecha, which is basically like the president of the propaganda of film. Oh, the president of the AV club. Yeah. And yeah. then he says, we decide who is a Jew and who is not. Yeah. That's creepy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then he offered Fritz the status of Eschrenig. Well, I was going to say a bad word. Eschrenarnir. Eschrenarnir. Sure. Which is honorary Aryan. Oh, they just hand it out. Yeah. What is? Did, was he circumcised or did, was his cock uh, left alone? Didn't get that info. I'm sure it was Cirque. It was really? probably Cirque du Soleil. It's Cirque probably Cirque du Soleil. Soleil. Okay. No, because okay. then they wouldn't even be able to. I don't know. I don't know what his dick looked like. I didn't. Someone would be talking to him in a goddamn urinal stall and see. Oh man, that's a that's a Jewcock. <laughs> I'm sure the Nazis probably. You know they like things clean and like trimmed. No, that's not true at all, dude. That's how they caught Jews. No, but I'm also saying like their uniforms were so like squared off. Yeah, like, I know, but their cocks their were left alone. Uniform. Okay. That was like a thing. They go into monasteries and shit out? like that, and they try to find Jews who are hiding amongst like, like really, the, yeah, 
And they just rip everyone's pants off. And if they saw a circumcision, you were on a train. Well, they might have seen fucking Lang's dick and been like, eh, here's a little bit of Play-Doh. You're an honorary, you're an honorary Aryan. Honorary, just wrapping it around like a, yeah. like the Medal of Honor from behind. Yeah. Why'd you do the, why'd you use the purple Play-Doh? Here's where it gets a little confusing about Lang's timeline. Because yeah. after this meeting with Goebbels, very uncharacteristically, remember Lang, if he could be like the king of fucking propaganda, he would. Mm-hmm. Uh... Lying in his words, boarded a train to Paris with little more than the clothes on his back and the money in his pocket. He ran from Germany with his new lover, the wife and mother of a young daughter, who she'd never see again, oh. who, who possibly died in a concentration camp, Lily Latte, uh, as Lang called Mickey. Mm. What the fuck is going on with these women? <laughs> she had nice legs. Oh, nice legs. Of course, yeah. Yeah. She had a latte offer. Oh! <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> slash Rusmortemcast. Now, I, I'm thinking that this might be a case of they're offering him this position, and then they, they give him the uh, napkin that has the, the number on it, whether they got to pay him, and he flips it over, and it's like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't just renegotiate. Because the one time that sliver of Jewishness that Hitler has comes out, it's right now. Uh, film propaganda? Oh, I don't know. Seven marks. Yeah. Oh, are- we're not going to kill you. How's that sound? Oh, sounds great. I'll be right back. I'm going to go pack a handkerchief in my back pocket so I can get right on it. Hey, uh, latte girl. Let's get going. You had a daughter? Can't bring that. Let's go. Yeah, she's bigger <laughs> than the check-on bag dimensions. <laughs> and uh, I only have seven dollars. It's like money. a McFlurry and a Big Mac. So a lot of Fritz's fellow filmmakers that were fleeing Berlin at the time because they were actually like Jewish and they were like, "I gotta get out of here." Uh-huh. Um, they they had all gone to Paris where. Uh, Fritz went uh, and for someone that had no money Fritz was able to live in the most expensive hotel in the center of Paris um, he even had enough time to bring his stuffed monkey named Peter that he got from a chick that he was fucking named Gerda Morris who that was the one that said like he only comes when he sucks blood oh god <laughs> Uh, uh, so he must. Why, why so, is the only person yeah. with a normal name in this a stuffed monkey? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, and the A stands for like Aaron, so it's like Aaron stuffed monkey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he must have left in a real rush, and the reason why I bring up Peter the monkey is he's going to come up again later in the script. He's a very important character. Oh, <laughs> you had me believing otherwise. So the exact date of his departure from Germany was a question, too. A lot of people said that he had come like a year after when he said whatever. Like, there's a whole big thing. Lily Latte seemed to be making all these trips back to Berlin to get money and valuables. And Lang had actually told a buddy who was still living in Berlin that wanted out. um, He was like, hey, just come to Paris, deliver this letter, and I'll put you up. So this guy takes a train with this letter. And unbeknownst to him, the letter had thousands and thousands of marks in it. 
um, which could have gotten him killed if they found out this letter had money that he was smuggling out of Germany. And once Lang got the letter from the dude, he refused to put him up and just stranded him on the streets of Paris. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's straight up like uh, Saddam Hussein from South Park. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Fritzy, what's in this letter? Nothing. Relax, guy. <laughs> Relax, guy. <laughs> you need a rest. So Lang stays a few years in Paris, making a few films here and there. Um, that was where he lived when he was young, so he knew the language. Um, quickly, he lost interest in his long-legged paramour, Lindsay Latte. Oh, why? Well, you know, he's got to scam some more French pussy. Ah, uh, she turned 34. <laughs> Her well, legs he's... were over there, but his mind was over here. Yeah, no, he's in his 40s now, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, the thing is, is that he kept Latte on the side his entire life. She would remain there at his side the rest the, for the rest of her days. She actually dated, they would date other people, obviously, and um, but she was always looking out for Fritz. Down the road, I'm talking about like 20 years from now, one of her relationships with a man got so serious that the man asked her to marry her. Serious. And, yeah, and she actually told him, I have to ask Lang. And keep Ew. in mind... Keep in mind, Lang and this dude are about the same age. When she asked Lang, he said, over my dead body, and that was the end of the engagement. Wow. <laughs> He's a cock blocker. Pussy, think- pussy plugger. <clears throat> or uh, a, a clam <laughs> jammer. <laughs> she had his money like bitch was supposed to have his money. I don't think that would have been a problem. No. Mm. Bitch did not have his money. No, I was just watching a documentary about pimps, so it explains a lot to me. About oh, men right. and women and uh, the normal relationships that we see every day. <laughs> capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sexual capitalism. I, I'm not just going to pop this pussy for you. I got to pay Poppy. <laughs> I got to pay the big boy. I got to pay big boy up. So Lang and Latte in 1935 joined the mass exodus of European creatives to the city of failure, Los Angeles. Ah. Where Michael is right now. <laughs> you guys want to call Mike? Yeah, call him. Please enjoy the Verizon ringback code while you're... Oh, there's a ringback? Yeah, of course. It's Mike. Are you calling Jake? I'm sorry, the person you were trying to... Ah, oh. oh, he deaded you. He's... Do it again. He's straight up in a titty bar. I know it. <laughs> I know he's in a titty bar. I'll wait till he calls back. All right, anyway, let's continue. Yeah, let's have him interrupt us. Yeah, yeah. that'll be better. So Lang, who was 45 at the time he arrived in Hollywood, he was like a fish in diarrhea. Oh. Yeah. Dude, Horrific. you write the worst jokes into your scripts. You remember That's not a duck? joke. That's not a joke, dude. That's a joke. That's not a joke. He's a trying fish to paint in diarrhea. A picture, That's a phrase. They're so opposing. It's never going to work. That's a phrase, dude. All right, we're going to talk. That's how we do phrases. We're going to do a bonus episode where I pick apart your scripts. That'll be fun. Yeah, we just mystery science theater Travis. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> well, he's actually, me and Cody are going to do it, and you're going to be working. <laughs> you're not even going to be involved. So first off, Fritz couldn't speak English very well. Obviously, he's speaking in the third person. That's weird. I forgot about that. But he never really got a grasp. Remember, this is a filmmaker, so he has to have like a grasp of the language he's writing for. We're doing, it's not silent, silent films anymore. You have to know the language. So he never got a grasp of English colloquialisms. 
Uh, he would say things like Joe Doe instead of John Doe, or Cad Cadillac instead of Cadillac. Yeah. Or also a famous phrase that I've never heard of before: "Elephants never forget." Have you ever heard? Yeah, of Yeah, you've never heard that. before? How have you never heard of that, dude? I heard of fish and diarrhea. I never heard of elephants never forget. Are you kidding? He's fucking with us. He's clearly fucking with us, Tom. <laughs> He's debating us. He's no, trolling. this isn't in no. my script. I was like, I read no. elephants never forget. I'm no, like, what no, does no. that mean? No, you you know what that means. You're I fucking don't. with me. And, yes, you do. Yeah, no. you do. Don't pay attention to him. Don't. No one at home believe this. I don't know he what it means. He pulls out odd duck out last fucking podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. We have officially gone uh-huh, from yeah. an educational podcast <laughs> to a bunch Bullshit. of assholes talking about Things that people really shouldn't care about. Okay. Thanks, right, whatever. Travis. You just so, tipped us over. So he took this phrase that you guys know, elephants never Everyone forget. Everyone knows. No. And Lang would say, the memory of a hippopotamus. That's even <laughs> funnier. Uh-oh. Hold on. I got Mike Regan calling. Mike! Hey, what's up? Hey, Mike. How you doing? What's going on? Not much. I'm recording Roast Mortem right now. Where are you? What's up? I'm in a Rite Aid buying a... Uh shampoo are there right. titties there are there titties there huh are there titties there huh are there titties there michael so i've been smoking so much crack today I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> there's tons of tits everywhere good it's in california it's cr- all right don't drink too much shampoo awesome uh be safe but be, hold, hold on. i won't i won't hold you i know you have shopping to do but i have one question for you yes yeah, so that's the question have you ever heard of the expression an elephant never forgets? An elephant never forgets? I don't know. Oh, he eats like peanuts and shit? <laughs> yeah, dude! Smooth brain! 420! Damn it, you two need fucking matching tattoos. No, no, don't worry about it. It's just it's uh, something we're debating on the podcast right now. Yeah. I need I, I'm, I want you to weigh in. That's all. Don't yeah, worry about thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks for Elephants nothing. remember things? <laughs> I love The expression mine. is an elephant never forgets. Yeah, I would never forget if people threw peanuts at me. Come up to Portland. <laughs> You're already close. All right, Mike. No, I, I appreciate your input. Uh, don't worry. You'll hear it in context of the episode later. So Sweet. All right, man. Enjoy. Send uh, love to uh, Travis and Cody. Oh, they they can listen oh. to you. You just can't hear them right now. All right. Love you, Travis and Cody. Love How come he gets top billing? Love you too, Mike. Too, my boy. Peace. So, obviously, the smartest people on the show don't yeah. know that phrase. So, um... Also, another thing that he was forced to do by his agent was lose his monocle and knee-high leather boots. I wonder fucking why. <laughs> yeah, because the dude was like, dude, Langy, baby, you look a lot like Hitler's stuffy uncle. And your name is Fritz. Yeah. So so, uh... so he, he put on some glasses oh. and he would sport the glasses. But interesting, interestingly enough, whenever he was on a shoot, he put the monocle and boots back on because he wanted to show that power off. You know, you might flee a terrible home. Doesn't mean you didn't take a few lessons from that terrible home. <laughs> yeah. So Lang became an American citizen and an outspoken oh. uh, advocate against fascism, maybe overcompensating a little bit, but, you know, whatever. Hmm. <laughs> That's fine. La- yeah. Lang was instantly roped into a contract with MGM. And found out the Hollywood workflow and was disturbed at best. Ah, uh, yeah, because it's like culture shock to him. It's like, what do you mean the actors have rights? 
Yeah, so he was used to having total control over his films. He crafted them from the ideation and the scripting all the way down to the edit room. In Hollywood, much as it is today, you have these soul-sucking creatures called producers, yep. and they are the king of the shoot. So they tell the director, like, hey, you're my bitch. You're going over time. Uh, Got to go do more blow and uh, bang women that don't want me to bang them. There's a shrimp ring somewhere. It's a persuasion. I have to go do blow and persuade someone that being famous isn't as easy as it no. seems. Yeah. So Lang, also another thing was Lang would just thrown scripts. And he was told, like, you have to work on these. Like, it wasn't like he worked hmm. on the script and, like, worked with the script writer and all these things. He was just like, yeah, duh, I don't know. Producers, like, direct it, Lang, whatever. Okay. Huh. So Hollywood directors are a little bit more of a mercenary than what he, Lang's used to. Yeah. But worst of all is that actors had rights. Oh, no. What? You can't burn an actress at the stake? <laughs> Especially famous ones. What? And also, famous ones got paid more than the director. Oh, um, you know, dude, that does suck. Because I don't yeah. think I don't think famous people, like famous actors like that, should get paid a lot of money at all. Because then they're mm -mm. under this impression that they're important, and they're not. No, they're not. They're just not. <laughs> no. They they think that their opinions matter in politics and whatever, mm. and it just. It's not like that's not who people should be listening to, and for some reason that's the loudest voice because who should we let should, them? Who should people be listening to? Not them. Maybe podcasters. Yeah, maybe us a little bit better. But yeah, like giving people that amount of money just for showing up and doing what they do. I'm not saying that they didn't work hard, but once they make that threshold, now they're important, and everything they do is invaluable compared to the average person. Mm -hmm. Just making a society of scum. Yeah. No brown. I M totally agree. Yeah, that's the reason why I'm up in Portland and there's so many more career options down in L.A. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, I have uh, quality of life up here. Yeah. Travis doesn't like eating <laughs> shit. So that's yeah. why he doesn't live in L.A. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, uh, this was terrible for Lang because, um, uh, yeah, it was just terrible. Like and he fought back because in his mind, actors aren't artists. They're just monkeys, and he's the puppet master pulling their monkey strings. I feel I, like Travis is having another analogy disconnect right no, now. No, dude. Do puppeteers pull on monkeys to you, Tom? Cody, you're right. Travis, terrible, terrible <laughs> writing. <laughs> puppeteers have puppets, Travis. Dude, monkeys have strings, and puppeteers have monkeys. Monkey strings are called tails, and they don't necessarily control the rest of their body. <laughs> You just you piss pull them off them, when you pull that. They yeah. attack you. All right. <laughs> Dude, I, when monkeys attack, Travis in India. <laughs> Travis, do not touch any of the monkeys. Keep your hands inside the tiny vehicle. <laughs> He's Immediately like grabs the monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, like four of them. <laughs> gets, gets fucking... He gets the new virus. Yeah, and he it's enjoys not, every second of it. It's uh, the coronavirus and anthrax all in one. <laughs> yeah, the, the moronavirus. Yeah. Moronavirus. And, and as opposed to, yeah, the moronavirus. And as soon as you get it, unlike the coronavirus, which is two weeks of wait time, it's instant and you're, <laughs> you're yeah, able but to I'm make okay. mistakes all over again. Yeah. I'm all right. I'm patient zero, yeah. dog. 
Yeah, six hours later, you're just back at making the mistakes again of grabbing monkey tails. Whatever. You're just in a chair shitting. Like, so what's any different from the podcast? I shat myself along a couple episodes ago. We cut that so, out. You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's We're not even going to talk about this anymore. I can't believe it. All right, let's go. All right. So now Lang is making a lot of movies in Hollywood, and instead of listing them all, I'm just going to go through the hilarious torture that Lang put these pink butterball actresses and actors through Do while it. the producers weren't paying attention. Okay. I'll actually Sneak take your pink butterball painting. I like that one. Yeah. So, first of all, on set, Lang drank th- 20 to 30 cups of coffee a day, along with his pill and huh. cognac that his secretar- secretary called the iron butterfly. I don't see any problem with that. No, that's standard for today with the producer. Yeah. A little less cocaine than I'd imagine, but... Yeah. So, Lang was not used to union work, where actors were, you know, required lunch at some point. <laughs> People need food? Yeah. What the fuck? On the set of one of his first big successful films, Fury, Spencer Tracy basically started a walkout coup during lunch Ah. after Lang spent two hours arranging stacks of oranges in the background, throwing hissy fits, and chucking the oranges at cast and crew. Wow. (laughs) He really doesn't know where he is. That's funny. I like this. Wait, who else chucked oranges? John Mighton. Oh, yeah, he was Orange Boy. Yeah, he loved to throw oranges at orphans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was a Sesame Street character. O is for orange. O is for, oh shit, it's an orphan. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you could have just said orphan, but you had to say, oh shit, it's an orphan. Of course. (laughs) So in the movie, You Only Live Once, he (laughs) wanted frogs to jump off of a lily pad at a precise time during the dialogue. Oh, no. Obviously, you can't train frogs. I tried. English. I tried for okay. a long time. Are you sure? How'd it go? I thought you did it's pretty not, well. It's not good, Doug. My lobster ran away because I was training frogs too hard. <laughs> That's why it ran away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, he spent a full day of the crew experimenting on how these lobsters would jump off of, you know, you, the lily pad. You mean frogs? All while the... All while yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the frogs would jump off the lily pack all while the actors were repeating the lines over and over and over again. They oh. tried with strings. Um, they tried a whole bunch of different things. Eventually, they figured out that if they set up electrical pads underneath the frog, oh. they could just shock them when Fritz wanted them to jump. How'd that go? <laughs> it went well. He got the shot. Okay. It right. works. That sounds like an accomplishment to me. Yeah. He yeah. knows what he's doing. So Lang got a chance to revisit his childhood love for the West in the movie Return of James, Return of Frank James. O- overall, this was a German look at an Ameri- American Western, like I was talking about right. earlier. Mm-hmm. Super campy, kind of full of scratch-your-head moments of like, wait, this is supposed to take place in America? <laughs> you know what I find interesting? What's like that? people who were born from, I'll say like in during the eighteen hundreds, like eighteen twenty to 
maybe even 1920 or so, mm-hmm. when they found something that they liked as a child, like for for our instance with Lang over here, he liked cowboys. He liked spaghetti. Thing. The joy of that wasn't beaten out of them <laughs> by their peers and MTV and all these other things that are telling you what's cool and what's not yeah. cool. Like okay. back then, it was fine to just be like, to, to be an Italian guy, see a guy on a bicycle when you're eight, and your whole life, tell everyone about how much you liked the guy on the bicycle. Yeah, that's my thing. Like that's not, I just like guys who ride bikes. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. my. I've always loved guys who love bikes because when I was eight years old, and then they tell the story, and everyone's like, "That's normal." But now, like, if you're like, "Oh, I liked the Power Rangers when I was seven. yeah. All of a sudden, I'm nine, and because I still like Power Rangers, I'm a fucking dork. Yeah, there weren't dorks back then. Tom, no, all they, they... I was gonna say, Tom, all I'm thinking right now is you driving behind some bicycle rider in this spandex, being like, "Oh yeah." I like the way you have that. I like the way you do that. Like I'll imagine like not losing that enthusiasm for these simple things that we take for granted. Like yeah. every time yeah. a bicycle rode down my hill, I went outside and I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. uh, so, so during the filming of return of Frank James, Fritz killed four horses by overworking them on retakes. Just riding them into the ground. Wow. And horses are a fairly sturdy uh, animal. Yeah. yeah. J- Jackie Cooper, who was in the film, actually recalled Lang yelling at the female star, Jean Tierney, saying, You bitch, when you have no lines, keep your mouth shut. Well, I mean, I thought I mean, that's what every director said. Yeah, she had it coming then. Yeah. I actually thought that every man said that. <laughs> I see. So interesting, interesting, yeah. interestingly enough, uh, he went on to make a sequel called Western Union, and hey. the bad guy is Jack Slade, who he roasted. Bam, bam, bam. Go back and listen to that bitch. Good uh. episode. So uh, during so during this era of pre World War II, Lang was fucking everyone. <laughs> I mean, uh, Lang would often say that his cock was even bigger than Joseph von Sternberg. Who was his rival director? <laughs> what does oh. that mean? Yeah, just like oh, you know that guy who's like kind of like me, but he like does some things better. Like I got a bigger dick than him. That's like the. <laughs> There's no metric there, really. Unless, yeah, it's not like knows. Lexington Steel. Yeah, unless everyone knows who how big uh, what's his face his dick is. Like yeah, if I walked into a nail salon and was like, "Hey, ladies, my dick is bigger than Alex Taterman's." <laughs> and they all go, who's Alex Taterman? And I go, well, y-. but even the, even if you picked like a well-known person, if I like went into a bar and was like, my dick is bigger than Pat Sajak's, everyone would be like, does that really mean anything to anyone? Because Pat Sajak is not known for packing any type of heat. Really. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so there, like, it's it, no metric at all. No. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So he had a fling with Marlene Dietrich. Uh, I don't know if you know who she is. I don't. Sex bomb back in like the 30s. Oh, I gotta look her up for science real quick. Oh, wow. What a a mama. Uh, Out of 69 stars, how many would you give her? I'll give her 40. Hey. Because the eyebrows are really putting me off once I clicked the image and made it bigger. (laughs) Oh, no. So Lang said. She's a chola. What's that? 
She's a blonde chola. <laughs> Wearing a top hat. So Lang said that she had terrible breasts, never mind her uncomparable legs. But if you wanted to go to bed and worship someone, she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. Well, is she Gumby? <laughs> also, Lang would walk around town talking about his mistresses. And some dude was like, dude, you don't. That's not a thing we say here. You, you can't talk about your mistresses. <laughs> wow. Okay. You know, you're like kind of lost in translation. Yeah. Side chicks? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So when World War II kicked off, uh, a lot of Hollywood directors and actors joined the cause. Now, Lang, who was again swept up in this national pride, did his part too by staying in Hollywood and taking all the jobs that were gone from all the other directors. Oh. Now, you might say, oh, he's really old. But there are a lot of directors that joined the army well into their 50s and 60s during World War II. Uh, to make films and stuff, right? Yeah, do that or like reconnaissance or something like that. And uh, but <laughs> he took camera. this. Yeah, he took this time to talk about his experience of where he stood up to Goebbels, and he also oh. said that after they dropped the bomb in uh, Japan, he was like, they should have dropped it in Germany and decimated it. All right, you're laying it on pretty thick, man. Yeah. We get it. Not everyone wishes their ex-girlfriend was dead. <laughs> so Lang actually did two anti-Nazi films. Wow. One called Hangmen Also Die, and the other one called Cloak and Dagger. Actress Anne Lee, who was like the main star, <laughs> not Lee? related. A oh, wow. Um, was completely brutalized by Lang. Because she had taken the role of Lang's current hookup, Virginia Gilmore. So Virginia Gilmore was supposed to get the role, and some producer was like, no, Ann Lee is going to... Ooh, drama. So Lang ordered the actress to take off her shoes because it made her walk like a duck. Um, then he would walk around set in his heavy leather boots and purposely step on her feet. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because he has a fetish for that? Why? You're not this nervous chuckle, like <laughs> you're that shit. Yeah, Love to do that to some bear That's feet. mean. That's I got mean. some clogs I'm waiting to fucking try out on some lady oh. toes. <laughs> Four decades later, Anne showed off the scars during an interview. Ooh. Yeah. To like Lipton or something? Yeah, inside the actor's studio. Check out my sky. Um, there was one scene where Anne had to smash her hand through a car window um, <laughs> while running away from the Gestapo. No stunt doubles, I assume. Yeah, so they were setting up the scene, and the prop guys were making some sugar glass and a mold. And Lang is like, no, 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 no. We must have a real glass. Yeah. Oh, so they never broke the window. No. <laughs> well. No, actually, Anne... Put her fucking hand through that window, first take, and everyone was like, they were holding their breath because they were like, oh, she's going to fucking eat shit. But no, no scratches. Everything went off without a hitch. Everyone was like, that was a perfect take. And Lang is like, we will do one more. <laughs> of wow. course. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Of right. But so, if someone's going to get through a window first time, it's going to be Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chinese rage. Um, so Anne punches a glass window again, 
Mm-hmm. This time she hits a vein and there's Ooh. blood there's blood everywhere. So Lang <laughs> comes running over yelling, "Oh my darling, oh my darling." And starts sucking the blood out of her arm hey. like a creepy vampire. <laughs> wow. This is unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, get off me. I'm bleeding. <laughs> Leave yeah, me alone. I know it. Stay still, my lips. No, no, I, so, I don't want to stay still. You should leave. Leave me Get out of here. All right, well, stop whispering and shushing me. I'm bleeding. Bye. <laughs> Lang's career continued in Hollywood. Uh, during the 1950s, he barely scraped by with the anti-communist blacklist. Oh. Um, all this time, he's getting loads of ass with people other than Latte, but Latte's still around. For his film, Clash of Night, which centers around extramarital affairs, Lang went on a session study because he, he needs to find this out. Mm-hmm. What is this? So he went out on the street and casted all night women. <laughs> Wait, what? For these roles, right? Yeah. No. He actually, um, he's like, hey, I know this guy. He's a Czech producer. His wife's pretty hot. And started this thing with her that lasted like a few months. Hmm. Her name was Maria Ray. And uh, broke it off, just like, oh, I got to do the movie now. And she hung herself in. Her Hollywood basement. Yeah. Or, yeah. Epstein? <laughs> Did she perhaps have information that would lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton? <laughs> Did all the cameras in her bedroom suddenly turn on the static? Yeah. Did her roommate suddenly leave? <laughs> Must have. Must have. Well, poor uh, woman. Uh, all jokes aside. That's why you yeah. don't bang a Fritz. No. Lang showed no remorse. In fact, uh, to lighten the mood, he uh, picked up square dancing. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's the standard uh, steps through grieving. You know what I mean? You have denial, acceptance, rage is in there somewhere. But little known stage of that is square dancing, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cotton Eye Joe. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics of Cotton Eye Joe, it's a very sad song. Very sad. But up a dupe. But up a dupe at Cotton Eye Joe. Ooh. Yeah, you have to listen with dupe. your heart, not your ears. Uh-huh. For a man whose career centered around his eye for film, his eyes would be the thing that would end his career. Oh, no. Yeah, his eyesight began to deteriorate. deteriorate. I knew you'd miss that word for some reason. It's a hard one. I just, um, it's not that hard, but fine. He Until he eventually almost went totally blind. He would cruise around Hollywood in his Cadillac and oftentimes just stopping in the middle of the road to check his map. Well, I mean, he's a famous, Uh, famous director. Of course he's going to do that. People need to get out of his fucking way. Yeah. Eventually, the monocle-eyed villain that he was traded in for even something more badass, a black eye patch. Yeah, I was wondering when that'd come around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Lang got sick of Hollywood after about 25 years of living there, and he returned to Berlin in 1956. Mm. Uh, This was mainly because Germany was giving out compensation towards people that had lost funds, and he was like, wanted to collect. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, what a fucking dirt. I'm not even gonna say bag. He's just a dirt. One dirt. Even though, yeah, he took a lot of his funds with him. You know, I mean, he was living fine his entire life. And he poo pooed the fatherland. Yeah. 
So um, he went on to make a few more films there and eventually, surprisingly enough, got involved in the French New Wave movement. Whoa. Yeah. Um, he actually acted in his first role ever in Jean-Luc Godard's 1963 film Contempt. What? Yeah. So Godard, who was a huge fanboy of Lang, um, but the free-flowing nature of the French New Wave movement confused Lang because like if you've ever watched a French New Wave movie, it's basically like some guy just holds up a camera and he's like, go, do it. Yeah, it's very... And Lang is like, yeah. Why aren't you beating women? It's non-secator. No, that's not how you pronounce that, but like... I, th- I think, like, my brain goes to, like, Un Chinandalu for, like, the French New Wave. And that and that's the movie that opens with, like, an eyeball being slit open. Ooh, I actually Remember haven't that? seen that, but I've seen the oh, clip. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I think that's French New Wave. Just yeah, like, French New... There's really, like, they make a plot and they're just like, talk. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Camera's rolling, deal with it. Yeah, um, I wish that didn't happen. I wish that, ne- that whole movement never happened. I love it. It's one of my favorite <laughs> film movies. But you waste your time all the time, dude. See, but now anyone can waste time. Back then you had to buy the film to waste time. That's true, but like the new <laughs> way of wasting time is first-person shooters, where it's just the same thing huh. over and over again. Eh. The repetitive game loops, but that's what a game is. Yeah, I mean, I like to waste my time too every now and then. But well, but but come well, Lang saw it as a way, like, I don't understand it, but this is what the youth are doing, and it's different, so cool. Yeah. Um, so in the late 60s and 70s, Lang got even more and more old, more and more blind, and more and more lonely. He often re- referred to himself as the last dinosaur that he pronounced dinosaur. Oh. What is that now? What are you the last of? Dino Sar. I think you're the first one too. <laughs> he was tired and old, yet his sex life never diminished. No, why? He would, would call. He would call up prostitutes two or three times a week, and he also had some film chick that would come by and give this blind eighty-year-old blowjobs. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, gross. Lang said that she was all right, but let's be honest. Prostitutes did it better. Well, yeah, they're professionals. They're not. Yeah, yeah what's going on? They're not they're secretaries pros- trying to yeah, keep their jobs. They're prostitutes. Yeah, there you go. That's why it's there? <laughs> so, all right, I told you we were going to come back to Peter the monkey, right? So, Peter. Yeah. One of the few things that he he took when he fled Germany. Well, few things I say. Yeah. Um. Fritz grew extremely attached to Peter, often talking to him, dressing him in different outfits, taking pictures of him, and tucking him in at night. <laughs> well, this man sure knows what he wants. And wow. <laughs> honestly, if I was in his situation, I'd want to tuck in a little monkey. Yeah. But just just well, imagine like you're the prostitute that, you know, answers Fritz's call. And then, like, you know, he gets naked, and you're about to do it. You know, the condom's unwrapped. And then his German ass is like, oh, one second, I have to put the monkey to bed. And, like, he just leaves. (laughs) 
and he opens the door and you see it's a fully stocked child room with like toys and games sprawled on the floor and there's just a tiny monkey on the bread on the fucking bedspread and he just delicately like places it under the comforter and just yeah and then comes back in the room and just rails you dirty don't make too many loud fuck sounds or else you're going to wake up peter peter is sleeping <laughs> smiling this is has a- one goofy eye yeah, yeah, yeah! Don't forget, he's got an eye patch on. Yeah, and this is a man that only comes when he tastes blood. And there's no <laughs> yeah. goddamn blood packets in the room. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no sterile plastic bags with tubing coming out. So it's just yeah. like, hmm. So as Fritz's health starts to go, him and Latte move back to L.A. Uh, yeah. Latte basically becomes his living maid. Someone was like, dude, Fritz, you should marry her because you got a lot of money. And, like, I don't know, Adolf's still kicking somewhere. He might try to steal that shit. Like, he's lumpy and shit now, but I don't know. He's got kids and shit. Yeah, what actually, was he doing? A- oh, my Adolf- God. Was he actually Peter? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, Adolf would, like, sometimes hit up Fritz Lang, who had loads of money, and be like, hey, I'm suffering here. Like, my wife was like, I think his, I think some of the family wow. were, like, concentrated concentrate camp thing and uh well interned would be fine interned whatever and like there are just certain people like elephants will never forget that yeah oh well sometimes hippopotamuses dream in different colors so many wrong yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like adolf would eventually like hit lying up every once in a while like oh I could use a few dollars, and Lang would like send him a fruit basket or some shit. Like, he was literally <laughs> just like, "Here's some cans of food." <laughs> oh man, that's the funniest thing to say. imagine. If you're just like dying on dialysis, and you're just like, "I could really use a kidney," and a fruit basket just fucking shows up. You can't even <laughs> eat it. Yeah, yeah. Edible eats. <laughs> God fucking damn it. What a, what a slap me. in the fucking face. Yeah. I only basket. asked you for $50, and instead, you sent me a $300 <laughs> fruit basket. Fruit basket, yeah. Like, you're a, uh, you are a fucking that ass. Is, that is cool. Cunt! I gotta remember to do that to people I don't like. Once I, once I can afford $300 worth of fruit. Dude, yeah, that's, that's the new move. If anyone asks to borrow money from me again, expect a fruit basket. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. great. If someone asks me for money, they're going to get the, let me think about it. And then I'm never going to contact them again, but the fruit basket's on its way. Yeah, the card that comes <laughs> with the fruit basket, you just, you just open it up. And in like the most beautiful gold fil- like filigreed, like, what is it called? Calligraphy? It just says, yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he, someone, the, the person who convinced him to marry Latte won, and the two got married. Obviously, it was small and unannounced, uh, but it was, interesting enough, it was officiated by a rabbi, hmm. which, again, Lang was a practicing Catholic his entire life. He would talk about it in interviews. He's like, this movie was a spot inspired by Catholicism and shit like that. Do you think he wore a white eye patch? <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> little star blue star David little on star it. Star David on it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it had a uh, it had strap on payas on the side. <laughs> All you need for a one eyed Jew. 
It was a it was a headset with everything. It was actually it wasn't a strap. It was a yarmulke with one draping eye piece over. I hear or, or it's convertible. You just slip it on top when it's time yeah. for a prayer. No, yeah. <laughs> I hear I hear Twitch is actually giving out a new headset that has that. Oh, oh, yarmulke on it. Yam yarmulke headset with the payas. Maybe we can get a endorsement. Oh. We could we could be uh we could be welcome to roast modern podcast. The only podcast that definitely does not take place on Saturdays. <laughs> no. So, um, basically all this meant for Lily Latte was that she was now in charge of his scheduling of hookers. That That's wow. a real burn. Yeah. That's fine. Hey, wife, call Charlize again. She's got <laughs> massive tits and knows how to really rub a nut. <laughs> So, surprisingly, like I said at the whole top of the episode, Lang did not have any kids. I don't well, know yeah. how. Impressive. Like, I don't know, maybe his, something happened in the war. I, I don't he know. was good at catching shrapnel. Yeah. Maybe him and Adolf swapped nuts. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Adolf had these fucking spewing boys, you know, to make up for all the disformed and disfigured hunchbackness. And uh, Fritz Lang was a perfect-looking boy with um, Habsburg testicles. Oh, yeah, no. Adolf had kids, but I'm going to maybe, because he lived in L.A., maybe it was a scar tissue that you wish you saw <sighs> on his balls. What did he do? Why are we All sighing? Right. Did he do something I don't like? I can't tell. <laughs> uh, he was listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, a Seriously. music thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, he didn't have any kids, but he did have a ton of nerdy film school dudes that saw him as a living legend, oh, yeah. including William Friedkin, who he mentioned in the Father Amarth, Amon Amarth episode. <laughs> Father Amort. <laughs> yeah, Father Amort. Yeah, uh, William Friedkin actually did an interview with Lang before he died. You know, were, you know how there, credible his yeah, interviews were, are. Were there any like special effects added in the fucking interview? <laughs> yeah, uh, but he treated these kids not freaking, but he treated his uh, film school kids as like his adopted sons. He'd have them like sit in yeah. and watch TV shows for him, much like we heard on uh, Tallulah Bankhead and fall asleep. So, um, there's only, but like, he, there's only like one thing more crazy than like. You know, the crazy cat lady that thinks all of her kittens are her fucking, like, children. And it's Fritz Lang here thinking all of his fucking AV students are, like, fucking blood relatives. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, AV nerds have about the same probability to pee inside, like, your house's, like, fucking basement. Yeah, good point. <laughs> terrible, terrible hygiene on those greasy fucks. So, you know that movie in the 70s that everyone was like, oh, my gosh, so crazy. It's called Deep Throat. Yes. No. So he had, on two occasions, these AV nerds take him to the movies to watch Deep Throat. Each time, he said it was vile and disgusting, even though he could probably barely see the screen anyway. He was probably just listening to, like, Do you know, Cody, you don't know Deep Throat? I don't know Deep Throat, no. So I, I, I um... I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen parts of it, but I, you know, I never have to finish it. It's 180 no. minutes of porn. So, okay, who watches that much <laughs> porn? Um, Not yeah. me. But uh. the lead character, I forget her name, 
when she sucks dick, uh, she's got a clit in the back where her uvula's at. So yeah. she likes to deep throat. That's her thing. Gets her off. I don't know if you're Ma- fucking with me or not. No, that's no, that's no, actually that's... it. It's one all of the most right. famous porn movies of all time. And wow. honestly, like, intelligent design happened in no, Hollywood. No, stop it. You said that word. Intelligent design happened in Hollywood. Fuck you. Jesus, you know, Jesus and God, oops, you fucked up. All right. <laughs> so, ask me the question. There we go. How All did right, our boy... This... Oh, God. How did Fritz Lang, um, America's sweetheart, die? Yeah, I'm curious. So in 1976, when Lang was 85... Wow. He suffered a series of gallbladder attacks, Ooh. something that he had suffered his entire life. And on this occasion, it left him wheelchair-bound. He had a good sense of humor about it because he would often tell people, it's easy to grow old, but it's hard to be old. I mean, get it? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. uh, It's it's, It's not really humor. No. A a fact. Yeah. It's it's two facts that sound similar, and he's thinking it's a joke somewhere in there. He's German. I I have a German... I have German heritage, so uh, that's where you guys might get... It's a little bit high, you know, European humor can be a little bit deep and a little bit hard for, yeah. you know, Americans to understand. Just like how an elephant never forgets. Yeah, just like how um, Odd Duck in the Room. Got it. Odd Duck in the Room. Yeah, but yeah, Odd Duck out. <laughs> uh, fish and diarrhea. Makes sense. Yeah, that's the worst. All right. All right. So Lang died August 2nd, 18, oh, 18, <laughs> he 1976, at the age of 85, from a stroke. Ah, horn dog is stroking it. Lang was buried with Peter the Monkey in Hollywood. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's in the ground, and that's the monkey. end of that boy. Uh, one thing that I did look up while you were just talking and I wasn't paying attention was this picture. Mm-hmm. If you type in Fritz Lang, Peter Monkey... Yep. You will find some great stuff, oh, including, my. Travis, you failed to mention this. Before you said that he went from monocle to eye patch. Oh, eyeglasses and eye patch. No, he did. He kept the monocle. It was the other eye that needed the patch. So <laughs> okay. he was he was a monster with an eye patch and yeah. a monocle. Oh, Like one eye doesn't work, and then the other one looks like it's going to strangle you. See, because I saw a picture of him with eyeglasses on and an eye patch. This is that's this is fairly common weird. for old people who are. You, you see know. the one where the monkey's having a cigarette next to with yep. with, with Lang. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Travis, is it? Can that be the art? <laughs> yeah, I'll have a little monkey with cigarette and like cum and shit and blood. Wow, <laughs> it's amazing. This monkey thing is blowing my mind. It's weird, right? Especially after you know how brutal this dude is. Yeah, but like that's his companion, you know. So here, here's here's how you make it a horror story: the monkey is talking to him the entire time. Oh. Fritz, you need to suck this girl's wrist right now. You can't come like until Stewie, you have blood right? in your mouth. I yes, but like a not, Stewie bit. Yeah, but not from fucking Seth MacFarlane's brain child. There should be no Family Guy references on this podcast. I already did a South Park one earlier. That's like as Closest we should get to other comedy. 
Too bad. Guess what? Peter is going to Clam Town. Ha 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 before I'm done. All right, just no more Family Guy. For days after um, Lang's funeral, Latte would receive phone calls from all of the hookers that he banged. Oh, and, so. and she would be like, oh, sorry, he died fucking uh, eight days ago, you whore. And hang up. Wow, that's the worst. Yeah. It's ridiculous. What a man. What a specimen. Mm-hmm. What a character. <sighs> Wowee. Damn. Uh, final thoughts. Anyone? Uh no. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Actually, Travis, just... as interesting as it was, not surprised by any of it. I well, okay. So this is like a this is like a layup for like a Kobe. All right, yeah. Um, which we can like, actually say now because it, we talk about dead. people dying. Yeah. That yeah. joke is a bit much, actually. <laughs> Did you realize that? Like Kobe, like went down the helicopter, like when the Stevie Ray Vaughn episode came out. I did think about that. It was like <laughs> two <laughs> days before that episode was yeah. published, and we already yeah. cut it and was like primed. Ah, it's like, like oh, helicopter right. go boom. Maybe uh, that's so why I, we're canceled now. Are we canceled? We'll I see. think we might be canceled. Uh, but this is like a layup for Alfred Hitchcock, who Lang hated. Oh, interesting. because Hitchcock was like the master of suspense. Right. So, right. and Lang was also like this he was German good. expressionist was also about suspense. Yeah, he was good with that. So people would all constantly be like, "Oh, you're like Hitchcock." Oh, you get pissed off. And Hitchcock also, is like me, and my dick is bigger. Also, the guy who voiced um, Woody Woodpecker, his last name was Lang. It was like something similar. So w- when he got older. He would go to restaurants and be like, oh, is that the guy who voices, voiced Woody Woodpecker? <laughs> and people and, were like, don't fucking say that to him. He'll fucking like, suck your blood. <laughs> and then I'll come on it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God. No, All the right. guy with the German accent did not voice Woody the Woodpecker, you idiot. Yeah. How would you even do that? I don't know. It goes like this. Put the Jews in the camp. Oh, Wow, all right. Well, well a couple jokes at the end works. there that might just get Let's cut. See. Oh, Let's see. A little see. bit offensive. A we'll little see. bit offensive. All right, thanks for tuning in to Rose yes. Mortem's coverage of Fritz Lang. Travis, thanks for doing the research. Yes, I learned tonight. F- social media stuff, find it, Rose Mortem Cast. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Rose Mortem Cast. And uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, we're considering oh, yeah. we started doing, doing some of that. I think we mentioned it on a previous episode. Uh, call 631-837-3274. If I pick up by accident, it's because I am bored. Yeah, you have Tom to deal with. You have a bored Tom to deal with. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about when I was younger. <laughs> Three hours later. No, I, I don't pick up, but uh, you know, I will get your voicemail. So and maybe we'll play it on the show. And if you want to correct us, I think that's really what we want, right? Corrections. Yeah, yeah correct whatever. me, dude. Uh, what I'm am br- I, a Fritz idiot? You're the odd duck in the room. Yeah. Shut up. Okay, that's a great note to end. So bye bye. There you go. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank ah! you, Shane. Ah!